Conscious Monkeys, before we start the show, I must warn you that there are ads throughout this podcast episode. If you'd like to get the show ad-free, you're able to get access by downloading the official Traveling to Consciousness app. It's available in the Google Play Store and iOS Store. I will note that there is a small monthly fee associated to get these episodes ad-free. And this is an important part. Make sure that any purchases you make, you make on the website, travelingtoconsciousness.com, because products are going to be 15 to 30% more expensive through the app because, you know, the big boys got to get their own check. Even though you're purchasing this stuff through the website, you will still be able to enjoy all this content on the app. Now, if you prefer the free route, you can get a free login on the app, and that will grant you access to challenges and notifications when new episodes arrive, discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. All of this just by searching Traveling to Consciousness in your phone's app store, or click the link below. Now, Conscious Monkeys, let's get the show started. spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I am your host, Clayton Cuteri. Today's guest is a subconscious mindset coach, but no ordinary subconscious mindset coach. He is one that has been featured in news outlets from Fox to NBC to CBS to NYC Journal. And I'm just going to stop there because the list goes on and on. He has identified some of the quickest ways to shift your mindset and align with your desired reality. He had a successful 28-year career becoming a VP of sales. And not to date myself, but I'm actually 28 years old. So... So <laughs> it means you're an expert. I mean, you're an expert at VP of sales as well. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't go down that route. <laughs> uh, and he has spent over three decades studying, implementing and developing what's now known as subconscious mindset training or SMT. Um, as a note, this man has a lot of energy, so much so that it was just the first time we tried sitting down, The it was just vibrating back and forth off of us. Off of, office us off of us and uh basically brought down the internet so on this recording we actually started off by saying we're going to just take it a little calmer and we'll see what happens um but this time it will for sure be different without further delay conscious monkeys welcome to the show joey drollshagen joey thank you for being here oh i'm so excited to be oh i'm sorry i am so excited (laughs) (laughs) to be here with you i am i've been looking forward to this since the last time I've never had that happen before. It's amazing. Well, I mean, you know, it's... And it has to be the energy level from both sides that mixed in there and just crashed everything multiple times, too. So well, maybe I'm keep it a little bit down today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Great I'm, to be here with you, though. I appreciate it. And maybe there's somewhere there we can start where the idea of, like, wanting something so badly, like, you know, if you want something, you know, so much that you put so much, per se, energy into it that... The universe is almost like, uh, let you got to let it go. Like you can't, you can't want this thing too bad. You got to let it go. 
Yeah, and, and really what happens a lot of times, and that actually is a really great uh, instrument or example of that is what happens is is we want something really bad, right? Like my, my, my whole, and we'll get into it, but my whole passion is to inspire, motivate, and lead millions of people to live better lives. And I do that through the works I do here. I do it through ministering at, at, at different, you know, Christian churches and, and, and groups and organizations and government facilities and things like that. And 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 there are times, there were, there were times early on when I so badly wanted to dive in and I had so much excitement and passion and energy that I would sabotage it. Mm. And that's what we do. And what we don't realize is, is it's almost like we're not supposed to be excited, but really, I mean, really we are, but what it is, is what happens is we get into that mode like that. First off, we're coming from our own mind. So it's only our best efforts that we're putting into it. And then we're taking all these massive actions and trying to make it happen that we end up destroying it from unfolding to be what it's intended to be in our life. That's so amazing because it's almost like it's almost like we're doing too much. It's almost like we're not allowing space for, let's say the divine or the unknown or God, whatever word you want to use for it to come in and kind of allow it to happen in a magical way, as opposed to us like forcing it to occur. Absolutely. Clayton, you know, I'm, I'm doing a training right now, a monthly nine month training on leadership tools. And I do weekend conferences and things like that on that as well. But And it's through the Chamber of Commerce here in South Carolina. And, and yesterday, we just talked about this. We talked about productivity, right? And this is one of the things is, is we decide we want something. And, and because one of the reasons like living in America, we work harder than any other country. We put in more hours. We put in massive efforts. We, and we're conditioned like robots to do that, that that's how you succeed. But what happened when we head down that road, we're using our logical mind, our conscious mind, and we're employing that to the best of our ability. We're putting massive actions, laundry to do lists together, all of that stuff. And we're doing all those things the best we can, but we're getting minimal results out of it. Mm. And the reason being is we have a power, whether you call it, like you said, for me, I I refer to as God, you know, uh, it can be the universal principles, universal laws, it can be any of that, that that's that alignment stage that if we could slow down a little bit and get into the excitement of what we want, and you heard me say excitement, so it doesn't mean that we can get too excited, but we get into the excitement about what we want, but not how to do it, what it looks like, what it's going to feel like to be at that place. And then we slow down a little bit. All of a sudden, things we refer to as coincidences start showing up in opportunities and people coming out of the blue and this piece and that piece. And we're at a coffee shop and we overhear something that answers something. But what happens when we're trying to be productive, taking massive efforts, going 150 miles an hour, we don't hear those things. We just blow by them. They're happening, but we don't recognize them. If we could slow down a little bit, all of a sudden it starts opening up the avenue for us to start being aware of and recognizing those opportunities showing up. And I'm telling you, when I first started in sales, I traveled 3,000 miles a week. And I built, you know, when I was building territories from scratch, I, I, I was traveling 3,000 miles a week. I was constantly on the phone calling people. I was following up. I was doing all that stuff. And I was, I'd get home Friday night and no lie, by Sunday evening, I still didn't feel rusted. And Monday I had to get back on the road again. And I came less than 25% of my annual goals, sales goals in doing that. Once I started understanding these principles and started employing them into my life, once I started adding into my weekly travels, I'd stop somewhere and go hiking and see a a sunset. 
Mm. or a sunrise. I would start mixing in downtime along with what I was doing. All of a sudden, it was like my territory at some point started building itself. I'd get people calling me saying, hey, I was at this conference talking to so-and-so, and they said I should call you for you know this product that, that I sold. I would get these thoughts. I'd be driving. I'd get these thoughts. Multiple times this happened too, Clayton. I'd get a thought about a quote I handed in to somebody, and I would just reach out. And I'd call them up and I'd say, hey, Bill, or whoever it was, you know, I, I, I just wanted to follow up on that quote. And they go, oh, my God, Joey, I'm getting ready to source that. And I, I would, what I heard was I either forgot I had your quote or I can't find your quote. Send me another one. Every one of those occasions that that happened, I would get awarded that business. That's wild. And those are the kind of things I'm talking about. When we slow down, when we get out of that, you know, American 150 mile an hour pace to success. It can start showing up easier. And then all of a sudden I started noticing instead of being 25% of my goal, I was getting 125% of my goals on what I was achieving and selling. And every one of the clients, every one of the businesses I work with experience the same results when they do that. But it's so hard to get through that underlying conditioning that tells us we got to work hard. We got to put in massive effort. We got to put in exhaustive hours. We got to trade off our family if we want to have a successful business and, and all that stuff that we got to do something about that and shift that to open up that doorway to easy. And it's so funny, Clayton, because a lot of people I come across, they think I'm full of shit <laughs> because it's not, it can't be that easy. <laughs> and they're so ingrained in their thinking. It can't be that easy that they, it will never be that easy for them. It's, it's really, it's really amazing to hear you say this. And I'm kind of, I don't know if you could tell I'm tearing up a little bit here because this is a, common theme that has been coming up a lot with me recently. Uh, you know, the way that I articulate essentially what you're saying, and I'd love to hear how this resonates with you, is that especially in American society, we have a little bit of a, what I call a wounded masculine energy, which is that energy of always doing, always going, always pushing. There's always more, always do, 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 do. And it manifests exactly what you're saying, where you feel like you always have to be doing, otherwise you're falling backwards. And to me, there was something about that idea that just never sat right. Like there was always something off about it. However, I could never, I could never like outwardly say something because all of the people who I saw or I deemed as being quote unquote successful were millionaires or billionaires and they always were doing and always going. And so how could I possibly sit here and articulate something as being wrong yet seeing the financial success now? where it gets interesting and where this kind of opened my eyes is, okay, although they have the financial success, although they have the public public success, it's like, do they have a happy life? Are they enjoying the time with their family? Are they living that balanced life? And so what I started to realize is that it was exactly what you're saying. It was hard for me, even in this podcast endeavor to do nothing for a day. Like that was difficult for me to literally say, okay, I just need time for me to relax, to do nothing. And so I guess I'm curious you know, being the VP of sales, like, you know, this, this idea almost of a, of a wounded masculine, I think, I think that, you know, it's something maybe, and I don't want to make this political, but I, but I guess I see it a little bit whenever people talk about toxic masculinity or the patriarchy is I feel like what they're essentially alluding to is almost that wounded masculine that we have in society, that we need to take a second to honor our emotions, to honor rest, to honor feminine energy and like you're saying, it balances, or at least you didn't really say this, but I'm saying <laughs> that it balances that yin and yang, and thus we become more productive as a whole. 
Absolutely, man. That that was a lot that you said there. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm glad I got to be on this interview just to hear that, Clayton. Seriously, <laughs> and and you know, because I struggled with that. I struggled with you know the masculine, feminine side, with the feminine side. Like I was a doer. You know, where you said you felt something wasn't right in that for you. I felt like I would could never do enough to get to where I wanted to get to. That's what drove me, and so I would try harder. And I'm telling you, my 20s, 30s, partway into my 40s, my friends would say, "Man." you burn the candles at all ends. And I did. I'd have a business while I'm traveling for work, while I have a son, while I build a house. And then I decide on top of all that, you know, I, I, with my extra time, I should go get my pilot's license <laughs> <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And I always had what like burying myself <clears throat> in the hopes that I would someday arrive. Mm. When I slowed that down, you know, when I got to that and the feminine side, that that was a really hard thing for me to do, to sit home on a weekend and not. And, you know, I I led my life into drinking for a while and abuse alcohol and stuff like that. But even after that, I don't go drinking and stuff like that. But to sit home, that, that was a challenge to be able to sit and just relax at downtime. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes I sometimes I'll go fishing or I'll go hiking or I'll go, you know, like take the Jeep out of the motorcycle and go do stuff. And it's funny we're talking about this because today um, I had this thing happen today. I love Tony Robbins. I've read his books. I've listened to him, I've, everything else. I will never be Tony Robbins. I don't want to be Tony Robbins. His intensity baffles me. I could never get to that level of intensity he has. But I have passion and I have excitement into what I do. And it levels that way. But so the last probably few weeks or something, you know, as I've, I've been getting back into training and stuff like that, and lifting and stuff again. And, and so after about with COVID and stuff. And so I've been taking my dog in the morning. I do a two mile walk with my dog and I live up in the mountains. So we go find a dirt road. We start walking down the dirt road, you know, and um, and then in the afternoon I'll lift. And so I've been doing that five days a week. You know, well, a few days ago we were walking and I, I noticed that there's acres of wild blueberry bushes in the area where we walk. So I was laughing this morning, and the reason I brought up Tony Robbins is because I thought about him and and uh, you know his structure and, and how he has that in his life and everything else, you know, and and structure is important to some degree and stuff. But so the last two days, I realized that our walking went from two miles to about a half mile, but eating wild blackberries has gone up to almost a pint a day. <laughs> And you know what is I can laugh at that and I can enjoy that. And I didn't hit my two miles, but I go to the gym and I'll do some extra cardio or, or thing. But, but it's like I get to live today based on the life around me and the things around me that I enjoy and lean into that, not based on a structure of some place I'm trying to get to financially or position wise or things like that. And what I'm finding, Clayton, as I lean into this, what feels good and do and, and, and lean into that part. The other side starts opening up even easier than when I'm putting all my efforts into it. But yeah, that balance between the masculine and feminine side, you know, one of the things I, I um, it's challenging a little bit for men. Every man that I work with is that John Wayneism. Okay. Be because we're conditioned to fix it, to make it better, to right, to, to, to fix a problem. You know, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. We're, we're, we're conditioned and programmed to live that way. And so if we're not doing that, we feel like we're not re really a man. Mm. Well, and that kind of ties into how we, I believe, at least I got this programming directly and indirectly, which was essentially being told that emotions are weakness. That, you know, don't talk about your emotions. Men don't have feelings. You know, you suppress exactly. those. 
And <laughs> you want to cry? I'll give you a reason to cry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds yeah. like my entire. <laughs> that sounds like my childhood in a nutshell. And it's wild because you know I've been really exploring and diving into my emotions and let's say honoring them for the last year ish, year and a half. And I couldn't. I can find like the most truthful things in the world inside those emotions. Like I find the deepest truths of my reality in emotions almost like it's, it's things I can't explain. And there's, you know, new information that gets presented to me. And I just, it kind of goes back to how we were just talking about with, you know, something didn't feel right about that information that was coming to me. And it's like, if I just honor that emotion, that something's wrong there, it's like, I'll figure out why later. Like, I don't need to figure out why now it's like, just, just honor that there's something wrong there. And something that I'm interested to get your advice on is, you know, you, you went this, you know, let's say almost 40 years of your entire life in this, like go push, um, move. And so the question that I would like to ask is, you know, why, like what, what pivoted your mind? What did, was there an event? Was there a series of events that you kind of had this like pivot of like, huh, I wonder if I do less that I would actually end up getting more. Well, we, we've all seen people, right? We've all seen those people like you see them on social media and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and we're busting our hump trying to get to what we want to get done. And we see these people on a, sitting on a beach with their bare feet in the sand and the ocean out in front of them and their laptop on their lap. And that's their workplace for the day. You know, you're talking to these people and I'm, I'm talking to people in sales and, and, you know, with all these different shows and everything I was doing at the time and stuff. And like, I'm traveling 3000 miles a week. And here's a guy that just got back from Mexico and is talking about going to Hawaii in two weeks and stuff like that and, and killing it with what they're selling. And I'm going, why, why, why? It all really goes back to 22 years old. I heard a speaker. His name was Jack Bowen. And I don't remember what he said, Clayton, but man, it just lit this fire in my gut that I wanted to spend my life inspiring, motivating, and leading people to live better lives. But I had no idea how to do that. And I was struggling then myself after growing up and seeing financial struggle. I was struggling myself regardless of my income. And if something if something happened too smooth for me back then, I thought there was something wrong hmm. or I was cheating or something. So it had to be hard in order for me to really feel like I achieved it, you know? So as I became a student to this and, and working from 22 even with the career growing, it, I was a continuous student of this work with coaching and programs and counseling and all this stuff and reading and experimenting and everything. And, and so I understood the conscious mind side of it, right? When we talk about like the secret and things like that, you know, law of attraction, like I bought the, again, it'll come up another age comment in your behalf here is, is like I bought the, 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 uh, the VHS because I'm that old. Yes, I'm that old. I remember VHSs. <laughs> I, I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember eight track tapes? And and then I bought a uh, and then I even bought a workbook, a study guide to go along with it. And I thought, man, I can positive way think my way into this life. You know, I'll say the right things, I'll think the right things, I'll do it. And I I really like bedded down with it and did my absolute best. And after about eight nine months of it, I, I threw it all away. Mm. I said this it didn't work. Well, that's what started tuning me into why isn't it working? I'm trying harder than anybody I know. Uh. And it's not working. And that started cluing me into things. And at some point, I picked up a book by Joseph Murphy, The Power of the Unconscious Mind. And that started bringing that side of it in for me, that our mind is made up of our conscious mind, which is what we focus on, the thoughts we think, the words we entertain, where we put our attention, all that. But then there's a subconscious mind. 
And in the subconscious, there's like this motherboard that holds every experience, every failure, everything we've ever been told, conditions, schooling, all of that's in there. And it just plays them over and over again. So when we try to step outside and allow something to happen easily, our subconscious steps in and says, it's supposed to be hard. And that conditioning will cause us to sabotage that. And so I started making that connection. And I'm telling you, uh, I, um, a little over a decade ago, I was in corporate America. And when I was in corporate America, I, I built these massive territories worldwide. But then I also specialized without planning it on helping companies that were either in or going in bankruptcy to come back out that other side, back into profitability. And I helped the last organization, found new owners. They dumped $12 million went within a week period. You know, after we found them, it took six months. But within a week period, we went from working three days a month to five days a week. And so everything started flowing again. I go, okay, this is my, this is it. This is my breaking point. I'm, I'm walking away now. I did my job. I fulfilled my service. I truly want to step into this other side and help people, inspire people to live better lives. And and so, and that was after I found the subconscious side of it and how the total mindset alignment works. Within a month from there, I started IFGT coaching, which the IFGT stands for it's freaking go time. And after almost three decades, you can see why <laughs> from the time I initiated. And then within six months of there, I've resigned and moved down to South Carolina. And I've been building the business and growing ever since then, impacting people's lives. Hell yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, uh, I kind of just lost my train of thought. You were saying about uh, dot, dot, dot. Well, let's, let's take it to this place. Um, and I think this is what I'm yeah. interested about because, you know, it's really interesting to talk about kind of the subconscious mind and these patterns, because I know that it's so fascinating because like when you make space for your like thoughts, almost like, almost like being present, it's really interesting to see the little, the little thoughts that come up like, okay, all of this needs, like this needs to happen in order for that to happen. Or, you know, this is something that's easy or this is something that's hard. And it's really interesting to me, those little like those little like spurts of thoughts that come through because they they play out into reality. It's like there's certain things that I hold to be true as being easy or hard. And then whenever they happen, it's like, oh, well, that was easy. But then something else is hard. And, you know, it's really what am I trying to get at here? How those thoughts end up like manifesting themselves. And I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but I want to get back to you know, where all this subconscious programming starts, which is in childhood, right? Do you, Absolutely. do you remember maybe the first thing that you like either wanted to be like when you grew up and maybe the way that that was received by your caretakers, parents at the time? Yeah, I am. Um, the very first thing I wanted to be was a police officer. And let me just go back and, and, and add something to what we talked about earlier, because I talked about the, the 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 secret and the law of attraction and all that stuff. Once I understood the subconscious side of it, then I started understanding that the secret, the law of the universe, like all those principles, they they work perfectly every time. But what's not taught a lot of times, Clayton, is they're taught as a one size fit all. And it's not. Our subconscious conditioning is unique to us. I have four siblings all raised in the same house by the same two parents, and we all have different conditionings. So it's it's the application of those principles based on the unique conditioning. And that's what I do. I don't tell anybody what to do. I don't have anybody's answers. I just show them a process that they can use to open that up for them, identify the conditioning and shift it and move forward. And from early on, I think the first thing I want to do is I want to be a police officer. 
I think that was the first thing I wanted to do. But then as I was growing up and things like that and getting into middle school and stuff like that, you know, I was constantly told by, by you know, a parent, by teachers, that pe some people are meant to work with their head, and some people are meant to work with their hands, and you're going to work with your hands. And I come from a low-income, blue-collar family. And so I always thought my whole life was just mediocre, and it would always be mediocre. I didn't expect anything great to ever come out of this, you know, child of God here. And I, I just didn't. And so as I went forward, I didn't apply myself at school. I didn't do things like that and everything. And and and, and what happened is I got into blue collar right from high school. I didn't go to college. And, and I met a person who became a friend with me before I heard Jack Boland speak. And he kept leaning into me like, man, you're so much more than you show. You know, there's so much more to you than what you let people see and stuff like that and everything. And and then with the Jack Boland thing, that combination of those two things is what started that fire to ignite within me. I'm the first child out of five in my family to have a college degree. I'm the only one to go as high in corporate. And not that I'm bragging. I'm just saying from where I come from to hit that other side. I have two or three books published right now. I, the, the works I do and, you know, our notice and stuff like that. And it, it, it it's not me. It's following that pathway of that passion that came through my heart, mm. you know, and I believe that's stamped into onto our heart from God as our purpose in this life. And as we get on that track, it, it's when we get into that flow of life where just everything works out, you know, everything you, you talked about that with, with that. Um, when you said that about some things are easy, some things are hard, stuff like that, you know, that's good awareness to have because that awareness is coming from the subconscious. Right. Those thoughts of things like that are saying this one's got to be hard because it was hard back then and you've been told it's hard. And so it's going to be hard. You know, I was I've had to go. On. Well, yeah. So I was just going to say that, you know, going off that easy and hard concept. Right. It's like, you know, someone might think that here's an interesting idea is is because this is where like it really like punched me in the face of like how true this is, is recently. And this actually talks on about, you know touches on God and Jesus. So I'd love to hear your opinion on this at a certain point, but um, I recorded a TikTok video that went absolutely viral. Um, I think actually right now it's probably about to hit a million views, which is absolutely, awesome. dude, it's so nuts. It, it's so nuts to think that a million people saw a video, but again, that's a different conversation. The reason I bring that up is, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> the reason I bring it up and we'll talk about the content of that because it deals with God and Jesus at a certain point. I'd love to hear your opinion, given that you're a part of like ministry and stuff. Um, where I'm going with this is it was always in my subconscious that it was easy to go viral on TikTok. Like anytime I saw someone or, that had a ton of followers, I don't, I don't know if it's just because the algorithm kept throwing them at me or what, but like in my subconscious mind, I was like, Oh, it's easy. Like, it's just easy. Like it'll happen yeah. at some point. It's easy. And then whenever it exploded, it was kind of like this, like, first of all, it was weird just because of the feeling of it. But then also this, just like, I kind of knew it was going to happen almost because I, I already deemed it to be easy. Now, whenever it comes to other aspects of life, I deem those things to be difficult. And so, you know, the, then the question becomes is, you know, how do you, and maybe this is like that subconscious programming thing is like, you know, what is like your big thing? Because easy and hard is relative to the individual. Like someone listening to this might think that it's extremely difficult to go viral on TikTok. And the wild thing is, is that they're right <laughs> for them. It is difficult, you know, because yes. they have that program that it is difficult. Oh, beautifully said. So then how yes. do you, you know, identify, I mean, Maybe identification is maybe the easy part, or maybe it's the hard part for some people. But 
once you identify that something you deem something to be difficult, how do you shift your mind into making it easy? How do you shift your perspective to say, yeah. no, that's easy. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny because the reality of our life, Clayton, is make believe. Right. The entire reality of our life is make believe because it's based on our perceptions. The good news in that is at any time you can shift your perceptions and shift the reality of your whole world. The bad news, nobody can shift that for you. Nobody can shift it for anybody else. We all have to choose to do that for ourselves, you know? And that's what a lot of the stuff with SMT is, is it's shifting that perception of things. So when you're looking at somebody, I'll give you a great example of this. <clears throat> okay. I feel I'm a pretty organized guy until it comes to taxes. And I have two drawers here at my desk that are filled with receipts. I have a council in the truck, and it's a pretty big council that's filled with receipts. I have an office at home with a desk that's filled with receipts. And so every year, come tax time, I gather all these receipts. I have to go through and organize them. I have to figure out what the dates are, what the, you know, they're for and everything else. Put them all together, do the whole thing, put it in the spreadsheet, everything, and then send it to the accountant. I cannot stand doing that. I have gone through that whole process frustrated, upset, angry, ticked off, everything else, because I have to do this. Two years ago, I decided, man, it's probably about five, six hours out of a day it takes me to do it. And I'm tired of spending it like that. So what I'm going to do is I, I, I just took a moment of aligning, and we'll talk more about this, but I just alignment of it going, instead of aligning myself with the efforts I had to go through to get to that end line, I started putting my alignment at what's that end line look like? How does it feel when I hit that send button and it's gone to the accountant and I'm freaking done for a whole year? And I got excited about that. And once I got excited about that, the next day I grabbed the receipts. I started going through and doing them. I grabbed a cup of coffee, went for a walk, did whatever, came back. Now I took January, February and went through the whole thing. And within four or five hours, the whole thing was done and it was sent off to the accountant. Now, every year it's done and sent off to the accountant. But I didn't have to spend that four or five hours ticked off about my life and that I did this and beat myself up for not being better organized and blah, 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 and all that stuff. I got mm. to do it excited to hit that send button. And so one of the mm. things I'll do with a lot of the people I work with is I'll help them shift that perception of, okay, you got to go through these tasks to do this. You know, cold calls is a really big one with salespeople, right? You got to go through the tasks to do that. Let's make it a game. Go for 10 no's every day. Call until you get 10 no's. And when I started doing that, like all of a sudden I talk to somebody and they'd go, yeah, yeah, I'll meet with you. And they'd be like, oh, damn, I want another no. <laughs> and, and turn it into games, but it's just shifting your perception. And it's hard to say across the board, but there's a couple of examples right there of how to do that. If you, if you don't like the task you've got, got to go through, then look at the end result and put your focus on that. Get your perception on the end result. It'll make the right. process of going through it a lot easier. Also, when we start going through the process with a different mindset like that, when we're look, our perception is based on the end result rather than the path we're going through. Not only is it more enjoyable, but all of a sudden we start finding these little shortcuts that show up. And it's like, oh, shoot, well, I know this is every month. I'll just put this in every month. And now I just when I get those, I'll put them. And all of a sudden it starts shortcutting the system and it starts becoming easier. And that's how I've been able to and almost a thousand clients now have been able to achieve beyond what they want to achieve or what they were achieving towards their vision and do it with greater ease, with less effort on their part to achieve that. Does that make sense like that? 
it makes a hundred percent sense. And the way that I would articulate it is, um, I believe I first heard Neville Goddard, if you've heard of him, reference uh, this. It's called like living in the end, which is like, you know, you you're, you you want to live as if the, your desire, whatever you're trying to manifest already exists, because that's your ultimate state of awareness. That's your ultimate state of peace. That's the ultimate state of enlightenment. Uh, enlightenment's the wrong word, but the highest vibration that you can attain with regards to it. And it's fascinating, too, because like in a creative endeavor, like recording a podcast, I'm sure you might see this when writing a book, the energy, the mental energy in which you are putting into that book it gets picked up in every single word that you write. The physical word gets progressed or produced from that state of being. And so if you're writing a book and you just are writing it because you have to write it and get it done with, and you don't want to do it, you're going to feel that in the words of the book, it's not going to be a masterpiece, but if you're writing it and as you're writing it, thinking about the millions of the people who praise you for it and who are like, yes, this is it. This is amazing. This is fulfilling. I am, you know, your words are inspiring me. Like it, it makes that not only does it make that process easier, but it makes it more enjoyable. And it's so amazing to even think out loud because I or say out loud, because I've thought of this before where, you know, one of my, like, let's say goals is to have people stopping me on the street and being like, dude, Clayton, like, thank you. You've shifted my reality. I, I, I see the world from a different lens now. And it fires me up whenever I just think about that. And so I try to put that into my work. It's like just thinking about somebody thanking me. And it's crazy too, because once I started thinking that I was getting messages like on Instagram and through just different mediums of people being like, dude, this content's so great. Like I'm, it's changing my perspective. It's validating things. And so to actually feel that like, it, it's almost like I don't even need to make money off this thing. Like just, just receiving that social validation, like it's not even validation, but it's just like this emotional currency of, it's of the like impact that you're having on someone else's life. Exactly. That's in a exactly positive way, in a, in a higher vibrational way, you're, you're helping elevate them out of the mundane, out of this, this culture that we have been born into of holding us down to the, you know, being stuck almost. And, and now it's like viewing your life from a 50 foot perspective of like, oh shit, I don't have to go this same route every single way. I can get lost in the woods and still find the treasure. Conscious monkeys, I need to tell you about these psychedelic fabric mushrooms that are absolutely incredible that I've just come across. They're all one of a kind and are honestly a perfect trip buddy. They're an incredible addition to anyone's like house or room who takes psychedelics and you have a certain spot that you like to go and relax. You're going to have to check out these Aquarius mushrooms. These high-end mushrooms are made with 100% recycled material and are all one of a kind. Honestly, these mushrooms are something I'm not going to be able to describe in words alone. You're going to need to check out the link below and search to see if you can find one that resonates with your soul. Remember, they're all one of a kind and made from 100% recycled material. Aquarius Mushrooms, premium mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. Those moments like that are, are the great, like, I, I love what I do. I, you know, and, and, and any of us, you too. You have to learn so much as whenever you're doing these interviews and stuff like that. Whenever I'm coaching or doing a workshop or writing or whatever it is, like it opens, I get expanded by that. But I'll tell you what, Clayton, man, when I have a client and, and, you know, when they hit that point of getting a breakthrough on something or and I can tell you stories about that, but when something like that happens, man, that that puts me in tears. I'm like, man, 
as bad as I ran my life, God, like you're using me for good in somebody else's life. And I don't even know. Thank you is not a big enough word for that. You know, it's so true. We get to have. Yeah. And, and so often we don't get to hear that. But I love when people <clears throat> write reviews about my books or somebody loves my workshop or like I'm in a workshop and I did one a few years, a couple years before COVID. And there was a woman there. And she came up to me afterwards. Clayton, and she had tears in her eyes. And she goes, Joseph, I thought because that's what they called me back then. Joseph, I thought I was too old to dream before I met you. And we here wow. we laid this whole plan out for her to get to do her bucket list things and stuff like that. And to get to be a part of that in somebody's life, I don't know words big enough to say thank you. It's, yeah, it's one of those feelings that is just, it's overwhelming in a sense. Yeah. It's like, it, it possesses your entire body because you're like there with them. Yeah. And that's, and that's actually maybe something interesting um, to talk about the shadow side of that. Because I think this is a part of the thing where you become in line in your emotions. And and when you are exposed to such great energy, it almost exposes you to negative energy as well. And whenever you have a TikTok video go viral, not everybody is going to agree with the message that you're saying. You know, if you have a million people and you tell them something that's controversial, you're going to have that backlash. Yeah. And that was something <laughs> and that was something that I experienced firsthand. And you know, that was, I mean, it was a challenge, but it was a very fascinating challenge because there's this level of, you know, being in that, being in such an emotional state of being able to understand like what it feels like to feel good and elevated and in the frequency of love, let's say you can feel whenever, and this goes back to our words too. I can feel whenever a message or a comment comes in that is not of that frequency. Mm -hmm. Like, even though it's just words on a screen, you know, logically speaking it's just black it's like a contrast of black and white and it's just letters you know you it's weird because you don't think logically that you should be able to feel that energy through those words but you do it's so real and you know at first i would i would take that on like it would become like a part of me like the ah shit like you know maybe i'm wrong about this like you know, but then it comes to this point of understanding where it's like, no, 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 no. Like that person has their own shit going on. Like imagine what it actually takes in order for somebody to go out of their way to, you know, let's say cast judgment, demonize. Um, I'm not really sure what other words you want to put in there, but to cast negative, throw negative energy back towards you. And I mean, I'm curious to hear if you've ever experienced something like that because <laughs> the best <laughs> you're laughing, <laughs> you might have some stories. Um, and so in my opinion, the best I'll wrap it up just by saying that in my experience, the best I can do is just be like, man, I'm feeling for you. Like, I wish you the best. And, you know, you know, I hope all, hope all is well. Yeah. Yeah. For a number of years, what stopped me from stepping out isn't experiencing that. It was the fear of experiencing that. And I would not take Mm -hmm. an action into it because that fear was a driver. Once I mm. stepped out into it. So we're talking really in essence, what we're talking, we're turning this conversation into likes and dislikes, right? Or what I like to call our, 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 our you know, our discontents, the things we don't like, the things we're discontent is. So I'll go into that in a second, but I want to finish answering you. So as I sure. stepped out and started seeing that stuff and started looking at the way we're about to talk about it is, is I started looking at it as an opportunity for me to add even more clarity. 
Because when somebody says, man, I love that you said this and this and this and this, that's great and it feels good and everything, but you can't really add more value to that. When somebody comes on and says, this didn't even make sense, you're full of shit or whatever it is and stuff like that, I can go in there and then clarify that. So it's almost like the, the scenario I like to use, which probably bigger than this, but it's like even Jesus, Jesus needed Judas in his life for him to fulfill his role. We need right. those things. We need those counterchecks, those people that come in and do those things because they help strengthen us. And we may know how, we may not know how, but, but you know, we, we need that in order to be full. Without that, it wouldn't really be full. And if we didn't know dark, we don't know light. You know, that whole philosophy and theory, not philosophy, but that whole theory and stuff. But, but what I started doing is looking at the, the, our discontents, our struggles, our upsets, whatever it is, we take those on as controlling our life, right? And so let's talk financially. Somebody struggling financially will be put emotional energy into that struggle. They'll get upset. They'll talk to people about it. They'll put emotion into it. They'll start talking 150 miles an hour. They're, you know, and going on and on and on. They're building it emotionally. And then what do they experience is more struggle. And it's because they're feeding that side. If we understand the only, the only purpose, we would not have a balanced life without discontents. Without the things we don't right. like, we wouldn't. What the whole purpose of them is to help us say, thank you. Thank you for showing me that's not what I want. Now, what do I want? And help guide us down that avenue of what we want. Because without knowing what we don't want, just like the dark and light, we wouldn't be able to fully identify what it is we want. So if we understand that there's a gift in that discontent, but we don't allow it to rule our life. We look at it and go, thank you, thank you. And then we take all attention away from it and we pull our full attention into what we want. Man, our lives, so many people's lives, Clayton, would just blow up. I'll take people that are struggling to pay their bills every month and within months have them to where they have a savings and they're building a 401k and they put some money under the mattress and, and they're building things only by taking the energy from that upset and converting it to fuel to launch them in the direction they do want to go and using that to identify it. So even with people like that, you, one of the things I don't like is when people put those things on there and they're putting an ad for something on, on to you mm. know, tag <laughs> and all this. Those people piss me off. But when somebody puts a negative thing on there, I know it no longer upsets me and no longer scares me. Sometimes it's like what you said. It'll be so obscure. It's like you're, you're just trying to spew something. It's something good right now. And I may comment on that too, you know. Sure, one good thing you got going on. And I never hear back from the person doing it, you know, and I'll do things like that. But yeah, but looking at it as a whole, the things that happen that are what we don't want are only there to help us identify clearer what it is we want. And the whole universe, God, the laws of the universe, all that are in works to do that, but we have to do that shift. We have to take the energy off of what we don't want and put it into what we do want. Conscious Monkeys, I need to bring your attention to this company that I've been using over the past few months, and probably longer now if you're hearing this, that has absolutely changed the way that I'm actually interfacing with the world. It's a company by the name of Conscious Technologies. And what they do is actually create these harmonizing units. And what it does is it actually takes the rotation of EMF frequencies that are in your area and harmonizes them. They make them in line with the true natural frequency of the universe around you. And they're incredible products. I actually went and I've tested out their quantum flow unit. I've tested out their meditation bed, their core harmonizer. And quite frankly, they were so incredible that I actually bought the cell phone EMF harmonizer for my cell phone. 
I was also lucky enough that Ross threw in a necklace as well. So I've been wearing that thing. And quite frankly, I'm even wearing it to bed and my dreams have become so vivid and just intense that it's pretty insane. I honestly feel so grateful to have it. Their mission is to bring forth technologies that support the harmony of mankind and the world at large. Go check out their stuff. I mean, looking's for free. And if I'm being honest, if you click the link below and make a purchase, I do get some kickback. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be promoting it if it didn't work. So with that being said, go check them out. Conscious Technologies, LLC. Link below. Now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, and it's it's really fascinating, too, because of like what you're saying there, where it's, it's like your, where your attention goes, your energy flows, you know, whatever you're focusing on is what occurs because you're, you're literally paying attention to the, to the one thing that you want. It's not even, it really doesn't even matter if you want it to occur or not occur. It's like, if you're focusing on that, that's what's going to happen. And it comes back to what you're saying with like, you know, these negative comments where, you know, I would feel that build up with inside of me, that anxiety, that maybe stress a little bit, but like, you know, kind of discontent. And it's really fascinating to kind of take a step back from it because this goes back to our beginning part where we were talking about emotions. It's like, why am I feeling that emotion? Right. It's like, it's like, okay, if I know, if I am operating from a place of love and that's my greatest intent to raise the collective frequency, then why is it that I'm holding on to this emotion? And the beautiful thing about emotions are, is that it's energy in motion and it's bringing you a message. Like there's a message here for you to learn from and to grow from, and you can expand on it and understand why you're holding on to this. And you can look at maybe, maybe there was an error in your way, or maybe this is just a catalyst for getting to a broader stage. Cause quite frankly, and this is the irony about it all is that, that video would not have blown up had everybody who was being negative not commented because people commented, they stitch it, they reply to it, they share it, you know, and yeah. and so it's the irony of it. And this is it's ironic that I actually I fault the media for it almost, but it's to their benefit, I guess. People share it. If it's negative, if it produces that negative energy, it amplifies the message because the people who love it as much as hate it, but still comment on it and it wouldn't keep blowing up if the people who it wouldn't be as big as it was is if everyone who it those negatively people. impacted. Yeah. Didn't say anything. Yeah. So yeah. I find it so ironic and, whenever I see these messages. And you brought that. That's a really good point. I didn't add in there is, is sometimes I'm, I'm finding now the negative comments will bring eight or 10 positive comments underneath it to kind of correct them where it bothered people, you know, and hit them in the wrong place. It's like, I don't even have to do anything now. I can sit back more and allow things like that to grow based on, you know, people stepping in for that and stuff. And the, those are the things, but without, you're right, without that negative comment, that negative comment is your Judas in getting to a million views. Right. Without those negative comments, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fulfill that million, million views. It's an interesting point because it's like it's one of those questions had the uh, Romans never, you know, basically killed Jesus, would it have had the same impact of would he have had the same impact that he did to this day? So it kind of like goes back to your point almost. Yeah. And and, and when we look at that, you know, I talk to a lot of people <clears throat> like I, I do uh, uh, 
programs for men, a 16-week program and stuff, it's called uh, Struggle to Soar, and it's all for men that have gone through divorce or been let go late in their career, you know, and released from employment or, or major things like that, major hurdles like that happen. And then I've opened it up to be men or women because men have the John Wayneism and stuff like that, you know, more than women do. But but even with that, it's it's taken, when we have those major things happen in life, it's taken that that all that emotional energy and converting it to fuel to launch your life beyond what you could have done without that situation happening. So without that, that's what brought the ignition point to allow for that. And once people can understand that, once they start using it to do that, all of a sudden, you know, I went through a terrible, terrible divorce, two, two divorces from the same woman over a three-year period, three-and-a-half-year period. And it was, it was devastating. But with what I learned from that led to my first book, Life's Lessons, and, but it, it was also turned it around to where through that process, I got to see what I truly wanted in my life. But I also got to see what a people pleaser I had become in my life and how I had lived that way from my teen years forward. And I had no idea who I was. And it wasn't until mm -hmm. later on that I realized oh, people pleasing. You know, I used to think it was great when people say, man, Joel, give you the shirt off his back. You know, and I used to think, yeah, that's how I want to be. You know, and then <laughs> later on, I realized that all people pleasing is is manipulation. It's saying, I'll mm. be whoever I think you need me to be to, for me to get from you what I want to get. Yeah. And once I started seeing it that way, it was like, well, this isn't so good anymore. <laughs> right. But I, that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today had it not have been for that divorce. I wouldn't have the close relationship I have with my 26 year old son today if it hadn't been for the divorce. You know, and, and those areas like that and seeing other people who have gone from like just devastating divorce and, and things like that and stuff and, and, and just kind of just launch their life in areas they would have never even considered doing so. It's amazing how those things we don't like can be our greatest weapon in achieving beyond what we think we can in our lifetime. And what's coming to mind is that there's a, uh, I don't, I haven't seen the movie. I just saw a clip from it, but there's a movie where George Clooney, I think flies from town to town and lays people off. And he essentially, there's a, a scene I saw, just, I saw a clip of it is where, you know, he's sitting there like talking to some guy and he's like, you know, you know, you're working as an accountant and he's basically there to lay him off. But in looking at his resume, he sees that he was a chef whenever he was younger and went to school for being a chef. And he's basically sitting there like, you know, I see here that you wanted to be a chef. Like what happened to that dream? And he's like, he's like, I can, he, he kind of goes through this whole monologue about, you know, I'm sure this company said they're going to give you, you know, X thousand dollars. And he's like, you know, where are you at now? And the guy tells him and he's like, you know, so like, was that price worth giving up on your dream? You know, and he goes to this point where he's like, look, you know, a lot of people view being fired as a bad thing, but I think you need to view this as a re- a rebirth, like a, a Phoenix almost of going back. Now you can do what you love. He's like, now you have no excuse to go back and actually do what you love with the rest of your life of becoming a great chef, becoming a cook or whatever it is that you want. And this kind of even ties into how we were talking about earlier about how perception of easy or hard, it goes the same thing with good or bad. If you view a situation as bad, then you're never going to find that diamond in the bottom of the coal mine. You won't. It's not going forth. to exist. If you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you can't, you know. And, and when you were talking about that, everything, everything. So so I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm ignorant with this. Is There's pain, right? There was a lot of pain in that divorce. That was part of that emotional energy. You know, there's pain and loss. There's pain and things like that. But when those things happen, 
it can define us or we can define it. We have a choice. We have the power within us to do that, whether we choose to recognize that or not. One of my favorite quotes by Wallace Waddles is he says, if you are not consciously choosing to be rich, excellent, and healthy, then you are unconsciously choosing to be poor, mediocre, and unhealthy. And I had it so ingrained in my conditioning that I was going to be mediocre and struggle in my life that I just figured that was my lot in life and I and I lived it. And it's funny because so many people I work with and I thank God I get the 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 um potential to work with people in their 20s and 30s and stuff like that, you know, but and, and I love that. But but then I get to work with people in their 60s, 70s and 80s as well and everywhere in between, you know, and it, it's so awesome. But one of the things I hear a lot is, well, I'm going to do what I'm doing for a couple of years. I'm young and then I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then I talk to people in their 50s who go, you know, why? My time's passed. You know, this is what the lot is until now to ride it out to the end. And that just breaks my heart when I hear that stuff, because it's like, man, you're, you know, we, we have sayings like your, your best years are ahead of you. But if we don't believe in those and, and, and by believing in them means we lean into them with some action, we never get to experience that. Yeah. And what I'm thinking of is whenever people like the good old days, that phrase is when people said, oh, it was the good old days like back then. And it it does exactly what you're saying. And it, I kind of cringe at it now whenever I hear people say it because it's like, you know, it almost points to how we're not present. It points to, well, you know, there was a time when I was 15 years old and I did what 15 year olds did. And so just, you should be present in that moment and enjoy it for what it was. I mean, granted 15 years old, I was never taught this type of shit, but <laughs> that's a whole yeah. other conversation. And so now it's like, you know, being present <laughs> as a 28 year old, it's not, you know, like I have all these goals of, you know, monetary investments, raising a family, um, you know, having houses, you know, being the you know biggest podcast in the planet, you know, all just all these different things. And, you know, it's like, I need to enjoy the process of where I'm at and own it. You know, that's a big thing too, where, you know, I am living with my parents currently, I'm investing everything in this podcast and traveling. And there was a piece of me that wasn't owning that point in the process where, you know, if someone asked me like, what am I up to? It was like, oh, I'm traveling or, you know, and because there's this level of, I had this limiting belief that if I had to move back in with my parents, it was like a sign of, it was some sort of, and I think we talked about this briefly where it was like a sign of like going backwards. But in reality, it's like, it's like, no, you, you found your thing. You, you found what ignites you, what lights your soul on fire. If you're willing to give up everything you have, which was a beach house in San Diego, California with two beaches, a 30 second walk from me. That had to the be most, tough to get that up. Oh, it was, <laughs> but <laughs> that's, even more, that's even more energy into what you're doing now that you were able to do that. Cause oh, yeah. a lot of people couldn't go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. And to add to that, I mean, it's, it was, I, I remember thinking in that moment, like, you know, it was a limiting belief I had that I'll never live at this spot again. If I give it up now, I'll never have it. But, but then as quickly I was, I was thinking that it was like, wait a second. It's like, trust the process. It's like, if you, it, it's almost, I had to do what I feared most, like release my control to want to what I release my control of my reality into this greater divine knowing that it's like, okay, well, you're still like, my biggest thing was to be able to travel and be wherever I wanted to be whenever I wanted to be there. Like that was my motto that I was like, I want this to be my reality. Yes. And with my job, that wasn't the case because with the job that I had, it was like, okay, I get two weeks out of the year. It's like, yeah. that is, that's not freedom to me. That was not freedom. 
And so it's like, well, here's the sacrifice you have to make if you want that bigger dream to occur. And to kind of get back to where we're going, you know, I'm kind of in that, I, I guess if you were to place the hero, you know, archetype onto my life, it's like at that rebirth stage of like, you know, realizing you have all that power and you need to go back to your roots essentially. And it's, it's been so fascinating because of all the limiting beliefs that I've had. It's, it's so fascinating living with my parents now and realizing how many more have been constructed because of the way that they've, they were brought up. And it's like, it's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, mom, like I'm seeing that in my life. Like, where did you learn that? She learned it from her parents. Oh shit. Dad. Like I'm seeing that in my life. It's like, well, where did you learn that? Oh, I learned it from my parents. And it's just, it's all subconscious too. Cause they never had this conscious awareness of how they were actually creating their reality. And it's like, shit. It's like, <laughs> it's like, no wonder, like nobody did this internal work before me. And so now, and, and so for anyone who's going through this, I remember in my life, it was like, you know, I think this is something we talked about also where there was this anger phase of, you know, why didn't they do the work? Why didn't they figure this out before me? Why am I the one that has to figure it out? And it's like, I came to this point of realizing like, you know, it's not my fault that I was dealt the hand I'm dealt, but it is my responsibility to heal that for the next generation. Yes. Yes. And even the people that gave us our conditioning, they, they were doing the best they could do. They didn't know 100%. Anything. My parents didn't, you know, they, I, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. They, they, I watched them struggle my entire youth, you know, and, and, and they didn't have these tools and these insights and the things, the avenues that we know now, they weren't available to them back then. They did the best they could do. And when you talked about living you know, in the moment and living, who the hell wants to live in the moment right now when you're work, when people, so many people are working jobs that they can't stand, still struggling financially. They get the house and then they worry about keeping the house. They get a family and then you have all the chaos and everything that goes with the family along with all these other areas and everything else. Who, who wants to live in the moment of that? But when we start realizing what we're doing is we're being pulled along in a robotic way all the way from school. You know, mm-hmm. we go to school and if I do this, this, this and this the way I'm supposed to, I get to go on. And if you do this, this, this and this the way you're supposed to, you go on. And if one of us doesn't, we're held back. And so we do those things the way we're told to do them. And it starts out that robotic conditioning. And then we get into business. And even, you know, I work with so many leaders. I'm getting a little loud. I'm sorry, Clayton. But I work yeah, with so many leaders it. who never, ever tap into their leadership abilities. Because they've been conditioned on what a leader is and what a leader does and how they handle things and everything else. And they're trying so hard to fill that role because they have this inner desire to be successful in it. That they that they give up who they are and following their own internal guidance to follow this robotic conditioning. You know, you have business people who, who want to, first off, you have people who have a true desire to own a business, but they don't want to do it because they don't want to give up their life to do it. And they feel like even once they get it and it's successful, they have to put even more into it to keep it there and everything else and stuff like that. And it's because we're taught that, but it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Building a business can be fun and exciting and, and just like igniting, you know? When I used to work in corporate America, if I had to be in the office for to five o'clock, two days in a row, man, I was dead tired, swamping, you know, pissed, you know, ticked off, all this stuff and everything else. But yeah, I'll come in here and I'll be in the studio right outside my office here is a studio and I'll be in the studio filming till two or three o'clock in the morning. And when I get done, I'm like, I, I can't sleep. I'm so excited. You know, about what I did, that's the difference in how we live. When we're living that robotic way, it's pulling us. It's so, so a more to get into that living in the present moment, 
We have to get into living more authentically by who we are. And, and by that, I'll give you an example as I work with a lot of real estate agents. And I'll work with real estate agents and so many of them will come to me and they said, man, I got into real estate because I enjoyed it. And that's part of the intro I'll do, you know, with them and stuff is why did you get into real estate? What were you excited about? Da, 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 da. And it's three years, that's not a long time, three years, five years, seven years into it. It's like they want to go do something else because they're so burned out. But they're spending so many hours every single week, day, evening, weekend doing all this stuff that people tell them they have to do to be successful. Mm. And what I do is say, stop. We're going to develop systems of accelerating habits for you. And what that means is you're going to be taking actions of things that just charge you up by doing them. Some people, it's cold calls. Not many, but some people it is. Some people, it's doing videos and social media. Some people, you know, all these different avenues. And we find what those things are. And I've done this for large corporations, $75 million, $100 million corporations as well, and start going through their staff and finding out what are those systems of accelerating habits, what are those things that light you up, and let's do more of those. Because when you're doing those things, you've got the same energy that you were talking about with a book. You're doing those things and you're putting so much excitement and energy into it that you're doing it, and the results you're getting and everything, it just spreads and flows that way. When we're doing all this stuff and working all these laborsome hours, trying to achieve and accomplish something, it doesn't have that attached to it. So the results end up being minimal as well that we get out of it. A hundred percent. I'll tell you, I went through, there was 20 some people in this very, very small sampling, 20 some people in this leadership thing yesterday. And I asked them, what does productivity mean to you? And do you know more than half the room said that completing their daily to-do list, that was productive? Interesting. And I ask them about the results that they're getting in the areas where they're doing those. And they're not that, nothing to brag about. And so I talked about this other side. It's one thing to be intentional with your effort, with where you're putting actions in and stuff like that, right? To be intentional with it. You have an end goal. If you have a vision for that goal, and that's a starting point where I work with everyone. If you have a vision and then you get alignment with setting intentions on the actions that you're taking to lead towards that, All of a sudden, you'll find that you can do less activity, less effort, and achieve more. And then the things you are putting effort in on, you're enjoying doing. Right. Those are people who live in the moment. Yes. Yes. And and this is and this is, I think, a great a great segue. I can pull back what I was talking about earlier with, um, you know, kind of the figures that be or the influential, let's say tycoons of entrepreneurship and whatnot who I've looked up to because I've kind of always seen myself as an entrepreneur trying to start different businesses and where it comes back to would be like the two, the two that really stick out to me is Elon Musk and Gary Vaynerchuk where they kind of have this, like, I'm always working, I'm always doing. And I've always followed Gary a little bit more just because of like the content that he puts out. Um, yeah. And I, and it always sat with me as like, okay, but this doesn't make sense to me. Like, and it's funny too, because I feel like you have the same fire that <laughs> Gary has as well, um, where it, it was like that something doesn't sit right with me. Like, like I, like he's obviously quote unquote financially successful. He has a large following. He's also obviously doing what he wants to do. So like, there's something here, but it, but it was coming across to me as like, I'm just working, I'm working, I'm working. You just got to work. You got to work. And I'm just sitting there like something's off, something's off, something's off. He posted something that was like, you know, where do you get your energy from? And it came back to exactly what you're saying, where it's like, 
I am just doing this because I love it. Like he'll still go to garage sales and to find like fucking haggle like $3 down to a dollar because he just loves doing it. It fills up that energy within him. And I was like, here it is. I was like, this is the golden nugget that I've been looking for. It's not that he's actually doing and maybe our, our wounded masculine society kind of portrays it as, Oh, he's just doing, he's doing, but it's no, he's, he's figured out what he's passionate about and he's just doing what he's passionate about. And though it comes across as work and you see it as work when in reality, he's just doing what's in alignment with his soul, with that frequency, that divine spark that is, that he just keeps feeding it and feeding it. And like you were saying with what you're saying, where it's you go and you do something, you record a podcast and it comes out to be four hours long. And you're like, that felt like four minutes. Like what the hell happened? Yeah. And it's, it's because you're in that flow state. It, it's not exactly. that you're doing something that's like out of congruency with your soul. Yeah. And once we, once we do that, so, so like I said about, I you know, five o'clock at, at, at the corporate job for two days in a row, I'd be beat to hell, but then I can go out here and, and record till two, three o'clock in the morning and just have a blast. And, and because what it is, is it's energizing. So people will go, where do you get the energy to do all that stuff? I, the things I do add energy for me. They increase right. the energy level. They, they get me more excited. And you know, the, the, the that old book or whatever it was, you know, um, do what you love and money will follow and stuff like that. You know what? You find out what it is you love to do and you really get past the fears and, and clear the pathway to step into that and everything, which is what SMT does and stuff. But you clear that pathway and you step into it. Man, you've never lived more alive than when you're doing that. Oh, I can attest to that. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and yeah. tell you that the last 11, 11 months of my life, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been full of mystery, full of synchronicities, full of just you know, mesmerizing things. It's challenged me in so many ways, emotionally and physically and mentally. And it's so crazy too, that we're now having this because, you know, I've put 11 months into it and I really haven't done a lot of marketing for like a monetary perspective, but I'm now at a point where people are like reaching out to me, like, dude, I've been listening to your podcast now for several months. Like, how do I give you money? Like, let me give you money. Like, like people are like saying like, look, I know you're yeah. doing this for free, but like, give me a way to give you money. And it's just, it's so wild to me because it comes back to exactly what you're saying. Don't worry about the money. I know Alan Watts always said that. It's just, don't worry about the money. What sets but your soul on fire? I'm sorry. It's not just the money, Clayton. It's the whole thing. You know, we talked about like, the, mm. why would why would anybody want to live in the present moment when we're living by that conditioning and that robotic way of thinking and everything else? You tap into this and man, you're going to you're going to want to absorb every fucking minute that goes by in your life. You're going to want to be present. In it. You're going to want to be home with the family in that chaos because you're going to absolutely love it. You're going to want to have that house and you're going to pull up to it. And every time get to tears, you're so grateful that you're as blessed as you are. And you get to live on that side of things. You get to share what you have with other people, you know, and build more just so you have more to share. And, and you, it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a whole different way of living. So different. It's night and day. It's, it it's is. more than night and day. It's like more than black and white. It's almost like, you know, it's like almost from nothingness to everything in a sense. It's like, it, it's so wild. It's almost like living in the dark and then going to Disneyland or something. I, I don't even know the words that would articulate it. And to kind of transition this. And this is something I've had a conversation with my brother, who's very logically minded, very right. Like, you know, um, which is of course where I was my entire life. I get it very yeah, struggled with know, that too. Yeah. Much in his masculine. And, you know, I've, I've had this thought where like at a grand scale, if everybody was doing what set their soul on fire, we might not need, and this is going to get political a little bit, but we wouldn't need like a government structure. 
Like we might not, and, and where it goes is we might not even need money, for instance. And I kind of truly believe this where if I am like truly, and maybe, maybe we will, I don't know. I'm just, this is a theoretical, yeah. but if everybody is literally doing what they full and their whole heart desire to do, there would be no need for money. And so the, the common argument that kind of gets brought up is, well, you know, nobody would be uh, collecting trash or, you know, cleaning restrooms. And my argument is like, how do we know? Like, what if there is someone's sole passion that is making a bathroom spotless? Like, I have no idea. Like, like if this comes back to down to our perception of what we believe to be good or bad. You know, maybe there's this, there is this perception in society that it's dirty to want to be a janitor or it's, you know, dirty to want to clean up things. But maybe that person who's actually doing it isn't living their full desire. And maybe there's someone who absolutely would set their soul on fire to clean up, you know, staircases or clean up bathrooms or, or we wouldn't be in this unhealthy, I call it wounded masculine state where we're doing so much destruction in the pursuit of consumption. And instead we would be actually living a more synchronistic life within tuned with the environment within nature. And we wouldn't be, creating the amount of trash or waste like maybe maybe bathrooms wouldn't even need to be cleaned because we're all living in that flow state of like well obviously i'm just going to throw this in the trash can you know what i mean that's where i was going with it maybe we'd all start picking up after ourselves because we're so fucking blessed that we get to live the way we get to live and we get to experience the life we get to experience that all of a sudden there, there isn't a janitorial service that's required for that because we're picking up after ourselves and things like that and stuff, you know, and, 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 and maybe the brains of the world that, that can take and figure out how to use rubbish and things like that in other ways, you know, as resources and stuff like that, that can feed back into our economy and everything else and stuff. So, I mean, there's so, it's so vast and, but what you're saying is absolutely true, but just with that twist on it is, is, and, and, and the bad thing about the, the, the good thing about it is it's available to every, if you're breathing, you know, if you're breathing, it's available to you. The bad thing about it is nobody can make you do it. Like it has to be a self a decision for self to lean into yourself to, to, you know, if you don't have the confidence to build the confidence to be worthy of that life like that. And the more you do that, the more it opens up more and more and more of it. And here's, here's something that I've been actually been on a kick on. I actually haven't done this recently. So this is great that this is coming up, but it's living in the energy of, I guess you could see it as randomness, but I also call it newness, like as in the energy of being new. So Mm -hmm. what this entails is, is like, you know, if you're waking up every morning and doing the same exact thing, you get your honey bunches of oats, you drink a glass of, you know, milk, you get your orange, you kiss your wife on the cheek, you go to work, you come back from work, you deal with the kids, you go to bed, you do the same thing over and over, right? It's basically the same exact thing. Yeah. What's the definition of insanity? is doing the same thing over and over again without expect with expecting a different out- income outcome. So where I take this to the next level is, is like, you know, quit the, the most extreme level of doing something new is quitting your job, leaving your house that's on the beach in order to travel the world and pursue a, a different goal, completely different niche in order to like reignite yourself. Right now where this gets interesting is that, that's scary as shit. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I was scared shitless doing something like that, but I, but I fed into that energy of new and where you can actually break this down to a microscopic level is pay attention to how you do certain acts throughout the day. You know? So if someone's afraid to quit their job, I completely get it. 
but break this down at a smaller level. Like, <laughs> are you like, what about brushing your teeth? Are you always using your right hand? Well, try using your left hand. Do you always pick up water with your right hand? Well, try your left hand. Yeah, try the, just little micro things. Do you always walk up the stairs one stair at a time? Well, try walking up two at a time. Try walking up two, walking down one, up two, you down one. a different one. way to work. Yeah, exactly. Try working in a different area of your house. Try it in a different office. And so, you know, you do these micro things of doing something new and it invites into the universe like, hey, like it, it like communicates with it. Like, hey, I'm ready to experience something new. I, I want to see something new in my reality. So yeah. like, what do I need to do? Like, like I'm trying, like, like, like maybe your bare minimum is brushing your teeth, but then after a year, you're ready to quit your job without a plan. I have no idea, but it comes back to that. Individual. Yeah, and it may not even cross that way, but you're absolutely right with what you're saying. Is, is we, you know, so many of us want to live and take common actions. We want to live in our patterns, our our paradigms, which are systems of habits, really, and we want to just keep repeating those. But we want a different outcome, and the only way to get uncommon results is to take uncommon actions, which means we have to get outside of our comfort zone, and our comfort zone is where we have the most control. But we live in this cocoon of limitation in doing that. To get outside that, you have to step outside your comfort zone. And every client I work with, we go through and we it, the program is geared so that you bump up against those patterns and those paradigms, but not to rule your life anymore so you can be aware of them so we can shift them. So I have had clients who could not see their patterns, paradigms. One gentleman in particular, his name is Doug. And he... Um, and so we're doing it and going a couple of weeks and, and, and I'm very big into results. Like I'm tenacious towards it. If you're not getting results, then we're going to keep going. <laughs> you know, <laughs> type of thing. But so I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I just pulled it out of a hat type of thing. Here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow morning when you shower, I want you to shampoo your hair 15 times and stop <laughs> and rinse and be done. Sounds simple, okay. right? Yeah. He called me the next day and he MF'd me. And he said, I couldn't do it. I stopped and I was rinsing. And I, 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 it just drove me crazy. I put more shampoo and I did it the way I always do it. And I followed my pattern and I did. And I go, okay. Uh, I go, so do you see how you may have paradigms and patterns set up in your life? And he goes, yeah. But you're <laughs> right. Because once we start identifying, and we can play with those things there. I used to take a different route to work when I started trying to identify what my word and understand. The brushing your teeth with the left, eating with your left hand, uh, you know, driving different ways, things like that and stuff. Um, you know, and doing that, all it does is helps us start stepping outside of our comfort zone. One of the things I work with on my clients is every day, take an uncomfortable action. One uncomfortable, if you're not the kind of person to go up and start chatting with people, go to the coffee shop, get a coffee, ask somebody how their day is. You know, something like that, because it starts opening up that doorway. When you mentioned about the beach house and quitting your job and everything, you know, I left, just boom. Cut the line, said two weeks, I'm gone from a, a, a vice president position with a six-figure, a, a really big income and, and all the perks and benefits and everything else to walk away, move down to the mountains of South Carolina to where I knew nobody and start building this business. You know, and I came down here and there was a lot of fears. There was a lot of upsets. There were a lot of those discontents of things. I didn't like the way they were going that had I not had this toolbox, there's a good chance I would have went back into corporate America by now. You know, for sure. 10 years later and going then go through COVID and everything that that brought up and seeing the whole business drop way down and stuff like that. And all the live events I did because I was not big in social media. So I did a lot of live mm. stuff and traveled around the U.S. 50 weeks out of the year going different places and speaking and stuff. And when COVID hit, they all dropped out. 
And it was like, man, now what? And, 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 but knowing these tools helped me to kind of rebuild the way it looks now, which is different than what it looked like then. But it's more productive now than it was back then, too. And I can cover, I can, I can, I can impact more people's lives than I could have done at the live events I was doing, because now I have the Zoom and the things like this and these opportunities and stuff to do so. Conscious Monkeys, are you looking for a CBD cream that actually works? I've tried many different CBD products and I've really never truly felt like any of them have worked for me. Like maybe there'd be like a little bit of tingling and then it would fade pretty quickly. Then came along Revive CBD. From the first time I tried it on, I could tell that there was something different about this product. I noticed that any joint pain I had was gone within minutes of applying it and it lasted for a significant duration. I don't have an exact time for you guys, but do your own test. <laughs> so if you're still looking for the right CBD cream, then this might be the right one for you. Because if you resonate with my vibe, then maybe you'll resonate with this vibe. I actually kind of just made that up on the spot. So hopefully you liked it. <laughs> Check out the link below. And as a side note, like always, the link below is an affiliate link. But again, I would not be promoting them if it didn't work for me. So hopefully it'll work for you. Again, check it out below, myrevibe.com. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. An interesting, uh, you, I think you said control in that answer somewhere. If not, that's what I heard. <laughs> um, we have the most control. The control exactly. Okay, so... This comes back to our, our talk about letting, giving room for God, for the divine, for sacred energy, whatever you want to call it, the universe to step in is like, if you want to hold all this control and know what's going to happen, you, you're, you're leaving no room for miracles. And this is what I tell. And I kind of, whenever I talk about this newness, I always bring it up is like, we have access to miracles every single day. The problem is, is you're doing the same thing every single day. So you're not leaving any room for those miracles to come into your life. You're not allowing room for God to do what he does best, which is give you miracles to take you to that next step. And it's so interesting because I view it in this lens of control, because again, that's something in the wounded masculine where we want to hold on and control things. And by letting go of that, by falling in more into our feminine energy, it allows that creative force to come in and have all these mystical experiences and these unknown things, these unknown feelings, these unknown emotions come into our life and to be like, all right, what's the message here? What do I need to learn? And it comes back to my whole thing with my TikTok video where it's like, okay, I'm getting bombarded with negative energy. Like, what is it I need to learn here? Because I have this grandiose vision of myself, where I'm going to be, who I'm going to be helping, like, you know, like you, just like you helping millions, getting on like a big stage, being the biggest podcast. And it's like, if I can't handle one video going to a million views and the negative energy that I'm going to experience, the rest isn't going to shake out. The rest isn't going to happen because you have to be able to experience that energy at one of these videos in order to, for that energy to magnify, because it's only going to magnify from here. That energy is only going to go upward. So Let's let's deal with it down here at <laughs> the low number, quote unquote, of a million, because if you really are going to go to the heights that you desire, well, we got to start here first. And so then this also comes back to what we were talking about earlier by enjoying the process. Be OK with the fact that you're still in your parents, like enjoy, find the joy in being with your parents, because this isn't going to always be the case. And I know my mom listens. And so that I know she doesn't like to hear that. But mom, you know, it's, it, <laughs> we've we've had our own conversations about it. But the point is, is that we need to, <laughs> we Let's need to bring enjoy. your mom on here, Clayton. I'd like to ask her. 
<laughs> she's on episode four if you're interested. <laughs> but she, but but that's the point, right? Is like it, it teaches us to embrace this moment, right? Embrace yeah. living with my parents. Get the most out of this moment while I can, because it's not always going to be the case. I am going to be at that point that I've desired where I'm living at a house, raising my own family. So I need to just enjoy this moment, this stepping stone in that journey to the top of that staircase. Yeah. And it's never, you know, we it's, a lot of people say two steps forward, one step back and, you know, all those scenarios. But it's all conditioning. It's it's never really a step back. Right. Right. A hundred percent. hundred percent. We're taught in condition. I keep coming back to this. We're conditioned to judge what we're doing. So when I went for my first, I have multiple coaching certifications. When I went for the first one. I went to it, had to go out to LA for like, you know, five days, like from 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. and stuff like that, and then tests and all that stuff and everything. And so I went through the first half of it. And then I went out and we had to do a bunch of studies over a six month period. And then you go back for another five day thing and you get, you know, you go through final testing and get certification. So one of the things they asked us in the, in the, in the second session is they said to us, you know, how would you rate where you're at in these areas? You know, and, and they asked us different areas to rate in them. Now, go before I went there, if you'd have asked me, man, I was just on fire. I was ignited, excited, everything else and stuff, you know. And so, but when they asked us that, I rated myself really low on them. Hmm. And right after that, we broke and we went to lunch and I sat with somebody and they go, I go, what do you think of those questions? She goes, I loved them. And I go, really? And she goes, oh, yeah, I really got to kind of like, it really, you know, juiced me up type of thing and stuff like that. And she goes, why? And I go, I had the opposite effect. She goes, I know why. Because you're focused on where you are and where you want to be. I focused on where we were six months ago and where I'm at today. Mm. And man, did that align my perception? Because we so often look out at what we want to be and we judge where we're at so negatively that we give up versus where was I a year ago? You know, I talked about COVID my whole business. I mean, you know, it was a kind of hit. I saw companies that went bankrupt and take it, you know, and, and, but, but when I looked at that and I can look at where I was a year from that, where I am now from that, oh my God, it, it, there's a lot of ground, a lot of road ahead of me, but where I'm at right now is freaking incredible. And those miracles you talked about are around us all the time, but we have free will. Whether you're religious, non-religious, whatever, we have free will. We can do whatever the hell we want to do, how we want to, where we want to, and everything else. But we can, there can only be one level of, of, of um, not responsibility, but, but one level of control. We can be controlling it, or we can have faith in universal principles, God, whatever people call it, and we can, have, we can relinquish control, which is faith and expectation in that. And when we do that is how we start experiencing miracles. Because I've never, ever, Clayton, heard somebody describe a miracle that they came up with in their mind and they (laughs) strategized and put the steps together and took the steps and got the outcome and everything else. Miracles happen for us. They happen with no effort on our part with, you know, I mean, where we're trying for this and all of a sudden this big, huge thing comes out. It doesn't match. it, 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 It doesn't make sense logically. Is, is a definition of miracles. So in order to experience miracles, I have to relinquish control, some control for that. Does right. that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. It's exactly, I think you 
just maybe use different words, but I think it was exactly what I was saying with just like yeah. releasing control. It's taking a step back, letting room for the divine yeah. to come in. I'd love to touch on the um, where you're talking about like comparing like where you've been, which is something that has absolutely shifted my like anytime I'm feeling down. Because remember, like and I suffer, suffer. I embody kind of that same feeling that you're talking about where you're looking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in the future of where you want to go. And it's like you feel like you're not even close. But to empower yourself, and I challenge anyone to do this who feels the same way, who I bet it's majority of people because we live in a wounded masculine, <laughs> is to look at the last five or 10 years of your life. Like, th- what's crazy, Joey, is that 10 years ago, I was graduating high school. That yeah. blows my mind. And the things that I've experienced in the last 10 years have, and, and first of all, I would say that seven of those last 10 had been completely unconscious, like completely just like completely unconscious. Like I had some awareness of like, why does that happen? Why does that happen? But no freaking idea. Yeah. The last seven, or the first seven or eight years of that had been completely unconscious and only the last full year of it. would I say that it has been truly embedded in consciousness and in the elevated emotion of learning and pursuing truth to help others that I have been so deeply trying to embody my entire life to think that that only happened a year ago and to think 10 years ago, like, and so it's like, to me, it's like, dude, take it, take a chill pill, like <laughs> take a step back, like relax. Like there's really nothing, you know, and you look at it, it's like, you know, I've been, you know, maybe about 70 to 80 K in debt to bring my net worth up to, you know, six figures. And it's it just the entire, the entire picture of everything is just so baffling to me. It's like, it's like, you know, why not quit your job? Like, you, you know, the shit that you've been through, you know, what you've put yourself through, you know, what life has been. And now you're in the driver's seat. Uh, you've always been in the passenger passenger seat, your life. And now you're sitting in the driver's seat. Now you have full control of it. Like what, like, why are you anxious about the fact that you're not already X, Y, and Z? It's like, look at where you've been, look at where you're at now. Like, and it just, it, that ignites and you can probably hear it in my voice that ignites that flame to become, to yeah. burn even stronger. Absolutely. And Clayton, that's the reason why, whether I'm working with an individual or corporation, whatever it is, I start with developing a vision. I start with helping them develop what I call a dynamic vision. I have road mapping tools to do that. And the reason I do that is because it gets us outside of the, of the, you know, the discontents and the upsets and stuff like that. And it gives us a place to put our thinking. You're right. When you look at from the past forward, how quickly our lives can change around. And, and then when we have a vision, which is some direction on what we're going through, instead of being pushed through life by our pains, by our upsets and stuff like that, all of a sudden we're getting pulled by the excitement of this vision and it starts opening up more inspired actions and ideas and things like that for us and stuff versus living by goals. And most people that live by goals and all the, you know, some of the greats will tell you, you know, you got to have solid goals. You got to track them weekly or daily and have to do's aligned and all this stuff and everything that just exhausts me to even look at that. Is right. you get a vision going for it. And then you start looking at instead of goals. You start looking at inspired actions. That what are the things inspiring you that are leading you in that way? And they show up easy when you take a little bit of downtime and get kind of quiet and get quiet in some way. And then it starts leading you towards it even quicker. And now you have an exciting pathway you're following and it's getting you to your results, which are quicker and usually bigger than what you even put into your vision for those to, them to be. You used probably in the last couple months, probably one of my favorite phrases in the entire world that I've discovered. And it embodies the feminine and masculine all in one phrase. Do you know what it was? What? Inspired action. Yeah. Inspired action has to be 
probably one of the most powerful tools that I have discovered. I mean, other than everything else we're talking about, (laughs) which is a lot, but the power of inspired action is so wild to me. It's like, you know, you like, for instance, right? Like we're talking on a Wednesday, I have a podcast that I'm releasing on Monday and I haven't really done much editing for it because I just haven't felt that inspired spark. Yes. Instead of sitting down and I have like a couple others recorded, but I haven't like, you know, kind of sat down and like put my head down and grinded and to get it done because that would put that energy into it. I want that inspired energy to go into it. I want the inspired flow energy to go into that project of whenever I quote unquote edit it, whenever I put it out there, even whenever I push the button to upload it, I want that to feel inspired. I don't want it to be in this, in this forceful nature. Yeah. I, I never sit down to write anymore. Like I used to sit, try and say three days a week for two hours every day, I'm going to sit and write and stuff like that. And it, it was gruesome, man. It was, it was hard. Yeah. I don't do that. All of a sudden I'll feel this idea coming through me and things like that. And I'll sit and write it. You know, I do these like uh, the leadership training and I do workshops and I do things like that. And I used to plan for them ahead of time and I try and script it all out and do all the stuff in them. I don't do any of that anymore. I, and, and I don't worry anymore. I'm getting to the point where I don't, I don't have that nervousness like, oh, my God, next week I'm going to speak. Oh, my God, this Sunday I'm delivering a service here. And, you know, and, and I don't have that anymore because I know that when I get into that inspired place, when I get into that place of allowing, really, it, it's going to come to me. And I'll tell you, there's times with services or workshops or things that I've done. Clayton and I've, I've, I've kind of put out the notes of what I want to talk about and I get that all down and everything and I get up there and there's maybe 10% of the stuff I wrote down. But what mm. happens when we get into that flow, just like right here, this conversation you and I are having, it's a flow that's happening that's just allowing us to continue building the conversation upon what we're talking about and things like that. And there's times I'm saying something and you're saying something very similar in a different way and vice versa and stuff, but it's that flow that's happening based on inspiration that's behind all this, that's moving all this. So yeah, I don't take any actions. And I will tell you this, I've written book in, in within three days, you know, wow. written the contents of the book, but it was just like, man, I just feel like locking myself in the cabin here and, and it's raining out and just, and, and it just flowed. And it felt like I was doing it for an hour. Right. Which is such a crazy feeling. You look up the clock it and it's like 10, 10 hours later, you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, like it's just yeah. time for yeah. text. Ups. And that's, we can get into how time's an illusion, but before we do that, <laughs> um, what, what was I going to say? Oh, with the inspired action is something else that I've noticed is like, if I didn't feel inspired to buy something or, well, buy something isn't the right way to put it, but to create something is probably the better way to do it. Whether it's, you know, the podcast to upload a podcast, let's use that as a thing. So, you know, in editing, quote unquote, my podcast, I add music, I add the ads, and then I, um, you know, I upload it, I add like a description. Yeah. And so in that process, though, what I've noticed will occur, and this isn't specifically with this, but processes in general, is that I might hit a certain point where, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Oh, where I'll hit a certain point where something will kind of like block me, like maybe the website won't load or maybe I can't find a certain audio file or something like that. And it gets into this like wounded masculine energy of like, where is it? I got to get it done. And I've trained myself. And this is something I actually learned in computer science back in the day is that when you're trying to like solve a problem, oh, fumble, (laughs) Uh, it's all good. When you're trying to solve a problem and you're like putting your head down on it, you're like, why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Taking that step back 
going for a walk in nature, going and doing something else for five minutes even. And then you, you make space for that divine energy to kind of come in. And then the next thing, you know, it like solves itself. You, you see some other like thing occur that like never, never before would have crossed your mind. And you're like, this was the easiest thing in the world. Why did I not see that before? And then it just, all the pieces become aligned. And that's, that's in essence, everything we're talking about right there, because we're going 150 miles an hour. We're taking mass, massive actions. We're Mr. Fix-It Man, we're Mrs. Fix-It Man, woman, you know, or whatever. And we're going through life like that. And we're just trying to push forward and things like that. The easier avenues, we, we don't even recognize because we're going just solely based on, on between our two, the thinking between our two ears. And this is what we're using. And it's such a weak tool compared to everything that's available to us right. to rely solely on this. So when we take those times, lose something, you know, my girlfriend has taught me when I lose something, like I, I have a place for everything. You know, I have three pairs of four pair of sunglasses. I have one in my fishing stuff, one in my Jeep, one on my bike and one in my truck. So I always <laughs> have my sunglasses there because if I have to move them back and forth, I'm going to take off and it's going to be one of the other ones. I know that. So I do things like that. So if I lose something, it used to be like a really big upset for me until I found it. And I would go frantic at times looking for things. I would get to a point of blaming people for taking them and things like that and everything in that phase. And what I've learned to do is if I can't find something and I go, all right, I know it's going to show up and I move into something else. I put my attention elsewhere. And, and there's times I'll be in bed and it's like, oh, my God, it's in the council of my truck or it's here. or it, it, it's like, yes. So easily, like you said. But w- we have to stop blocking our receptors to those things. Right. And we do that by slowing down. And even that's a great analogy, too, because I know that there's times where I'll be like getting my stuff together to like leave the house or go somewhere. And I'll be either like looking for my phone. Maybe I'll be looking for like my wallet. Maybe I'll be looking for something and I can't find it. And I'll look all throughout the house. Right. And then I hit this point because exactly what you're saying, I've kind of trained myself now where I'm like, all right, I guess I don't need it. And not two seconds later, an idea will pop into me where it's at, or it'll just be on the counter that I've looked at 20 times. And then it just magically appears this 21st time. It's so, it's so fascinating how that happens by just, Letting go, it magically appears. Yeah. But when we put our logical mind into place to fix it, it just clouds it up more and creates more confusion in the whole thing. It creates more panic, more anxiety, fear, doubt, worry, all of that stuff. And a lot of that stuff comes from that underlying conditioning. Right. You know, for me, it was if I lose something, that means I don't take care of myself. It means I'm not grateful for what I have. Oh. And that without even recognizing it, that's a thought pattern that kicks in when I can't find something. So when I can stop for a moment and slow down, it just allows all that stuff just to pass. I don't even have to do anything with it. Just allow it to pass. And then it clears that pathway to be like, okay, oh, yeah, there it is. I, I remember where my wallet is. Now I put it in the council of the truck or I did this or I put it in the bag of the bike or, you know. It's so wild how that happens. Yeah. And it's that's so what I wild. mean when I say that. Like my whole mission of my life is to help people achieve more but live easier lives in doing so with more passion and it's ironic too because like one supplements the other but it seems like it would be opposite though doesn't it oh yeah it seems like one would keep you further away from the other one 
Well, and you so know? this is, yeah, and this is something that I always find so crazy, right? Because it's, it's like, that's the logical mind where it's like, okay, you would think that you have to be doubling down your efforts in order to double down your rewards. And then when in reality, it's like, no, just do half the work and you'll actually double your profits. It's like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense logically. However, where this gets wild, and it's actually taken because I try to focus around like spirituality, consciousness, and mindset and all that on this channel. And there's so many people I've talked to who kind of it's usually females they usually kind of get this stuff a little quicker i think i think there's something with their their closeness to i don't know if it's like creative energy or feminine energy that they're closer to which enables them to see it maybe and obviously this is very broad i'm not trying to say that that's this way for sure with everybody but it's almost like you know to them this stuff well I want to say spiritual. I don't want to say women. I just want to say people who come into contact with a spiritual nature, because this is me for sure. Now, like it makes so much more sense logically to me that if you do less, you actually get more reward. It makes so much more sense to me now that this idea of like energy and the message that emotions bring you like, like now makes logical sense to me. Whereas some people are like, that doesn't make any sense logically at all. And it's like, no, you're, you're looking at the world from a physical structure. You're looking at it just yeah. physically speaking, and that's why it doesn't make sense to you logically. But if you look at the world from energy and the way that energy works, it makes so much logical sense. Like so many things, and maybe this is where we get into the TikTok video um, because it revolves around Jesus and the Bible. Um, but I guess we'll maybe we'll transition to that because I want to hear your piece of this. But just the idea of like these things in this mystical fashion actually make more sense logically once you allow space for them to come into your life. It's really, I mean, it's physics at work. Sure. You know, when you take time to align with a vision of what you want and you, and you get some alignment in that you're, 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 you know, when, and then you clear the pathway of that subconscious conditioning and things like that. So you're clearing the pathway, but you're getting alignment and where you place your, you know, where you place your, uh, attention is where you're placing your intention. So if you're putting your attention on your struggles, your fears, doubt, worries, all that side of things, then you're putting your intention there. If you turn it and focus it on a vision, you focus it on life being easier. You focus it on on a flow, like an enjoyment, kind of like being in a kayak going down the river and you're going with the stream. The other way, if you look at it, even logically, like you said, I agree with you, even logically, if you look at it the other way is you're paddling up upstream. It's going to be harder. You're going to gain less ground. You're going to notice more, less of the things, the beauty around you and everything else than if you just go with the flow of it. And that's what we're talking about. You get into that flow and things. Is, that's a perfect analogy for it is that kayak on a river and going with the flow. You notice more of the beauty. You feel more of the wind. You get more enjoyment. You know, you can and, paddle a little heavy at times, but you're still in that flow. And I love this analogy too, because I think it was a girl by the name of Christina who was on episode 35 or 36. She brought up this, um, this uh, analogy as well with like the flow. And she's like, you know, in this wounded masculine energy, we believe that everything we want is upstream. So we just paddle the shit out of the boat. We try to get the canoe going upstream, but the truth of the matter is, is it's also downstream. And so just let the boat take you where you're trying to go because it knows that that's your stream of life. You've, you've chosen that stream to kind of go with it. And so if you just yeah. let go, if you just let the canoe do its thing, yeah. you don't have to exert any energy and you get to witness the miracles of nature all around you, as opposed to focusing on pushing against the current of the water. 
and to come full circle with it, isn't that relinquishing some control? To it's relinquishing all of it. To going with the current, to allow it to take you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. How much easier is that when we look at our lives and how we're running our everyday life and we put it in that scenario, how much easier, if the goal is to go out kayaking down the river, how much easier is it more enjoyable if our goal is to attain whatever it is in life and we get into that flow of allowing there, how much yeah. easier is that even in the journey? It's incredibly easier. And all right, I think this is where we're going to get into the to the content of this viral TikTok video. Let's do it, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure out everything about this because you, because I mean, you know, being a minister, you know, I'm assuming that your, your kind of structure is the Bible. And so I'm kind of just diving into this from a fresh perspective. You know, I was brought up Presbyterian, so I, I was all in on the Bible. I kind of stepped away from the church from seeing certain things that I didn't really like about it and yada, yada, yada. But with my TikTok, I've kind of focused on mindset things, focused on, you know, these things that I found interesting, things about the pineal gland, things about making space, thinking about meditation. Um, and it's really fascinating because I actually created a video that talked about making space, this idea that we're talking about, make space in your mind for new ideas to come in. And it's crazy because the very next video that I uploaded was this one that's almost about to hit a million views, <laughs> it's, which is the funniest thing in the world to me, but I don't know how many people would notice that. Regard regardless, um, the video was actually about the gospel of Thomas and I'll give a quick overview. I'm not sure how aware you are, but somehow some way I have no idea how I came across the idea of the gospel of Thomas. I have no idea where that came from, but some link came in that I saw that was some uh, website, which went over the idea of the gospel of Thomas. It laid out information, which now I know isn't hundred percent accurate, but in the video I proposed the inaccurate information and I kind of proposed it as, let me see here, information that the gospel was essentially taken out of the Bible, which isn't exactly the factual case there, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But essentially, yeah. I went through and basically described what occurred as to the best of my knowledge. And um, where am I trying to go with this? Because there's multiple ways that we can go with this. We can take it to you know, that anxiety because I did kind of give a little bit of misinformation in it. Uh, I did correct it, but nobody sees the correction. Of course, they jump to their own thing, but maybe, but let's go, let's take it to this actual, the church place of it. So let me, let me at least explain where I'm coming from, at least. So you have an understanding is, you know, the, the first paragraph of kind of, of this website was basically saying that uh, Emperor Constantine took, you know, um, got like 40 some books out of the Bible is what they said. Uh, and like these books were kind of hidden and they were put away and then, you know, nobody really used them. And so I kind of was repeating this, but then after all these people were basically like, no, that's wrong. I, you know, did some more research and found that what actually occurred was, is that first of all, the Bible itself was put together in like 400 AD. So, you know, 400 years after Christ was born. So first of all, to me, I'm like, okay, this is wild in of itself that, you know, they're picking and choosing which verses to put into the Bible 400 years after Christ was actually on, on planet earth. Um, and then the next thing that was interesting to me was, you know, the, the vitriol that people had towards me actually talking about the gospel of Thomas, because to me, like the comments that were coming in was one that it wasn't an inspired, it, the text wasn't inspired by the Holy Ghost, number one. Uh, there was another one where 
I think that was kind of like the main one. Oh, I was considered like a heretic and spreading the devil's word because I was just pointing out that this gospel existed. And then uh, what was the, that was like, I think those were like the main two things that I was being like confronted with. And it was so fascinating to me because like, you know, it, it was like, okay, how is it that 400 years after? And so I'm kind of just coming at this with an open mind. So please give me your honest opinion of where you view this is that, you know, so the way I saw it is um, Gospel of Thomas now, the other piece of information that I've come to learn is the Gospel of Thomas is a part of what's called the Nag Hammadi Library, which is essentially where these leather bound books, it's everything from the Book of Enoch to the Gospel of Mary. And I think there's several other books, but essentially in Nag Hammadi, uh, Egypt, which is north of Luxor, they found these clay pots full of, you know, these scrolls and these, you know, these um, leather bound books that were essentially these, these verses that were left out. They were never taken out. I'll correct myself. They were left out of being actually put into the Bible. And it is reason to believe that, you know, the people who were in possession of these gospels were actually kind of hunted down. And, you know, people were like, they were essentially looking for them because they didn't want this information to be disseminated. And so where I came from, this was like, you know, how, how is it that we're able to say 400 years after Jesus, which of these texts are authentic? Meanwhile, and I'm doing this whole series on my TikTok where I'm going through each verse of the gospel of Thomas. And to me, like the stuff is mind blowing because to me, it's like, it's taking every, all of my understanding from spirituality. It's taking my understanding from uh, quantum physics. And it's like, to me, it's breaking my mind. Cause I'm like, dude, Jesus is literally like, whether or not we can argue over whether or not Jesus actually said these things, but these quotes that we're attributing to Jesus are literally interpreting spirituality and quantum physics as we know them today. And, and so, you know, we can argue over whether or not it was removed or taken out or just like, so that's where I'm coming from. So I guess I just kind of want to use that as setting the stage and I would love to know like your experience with this or how you perceive this information or, you know, I'll, I'll give you the floor yeah, for, yeah. 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 I'm just saying similar to what you're talking about as far as how they went about and things like that, that they were never put into the Bible to be taken out and all that and everything else. But here's, here's, here's a really key difference. And I am an ordained minister. I'm, I'm a Christian, but I study Buddhism. I study, ultimately I study spirituality. Love that. And it comes in, in so many different forms that I don't shut out the avenue for it. I, I let my internals decide is this something that is this something that's that's honorable to what I believe God and in, in, in all of that, you know, universal laws and everything else and stuff, or is it not? And if it's not, then I discard it. And if it is, there there's a lot of verses in, in Thomas that are very useful. There's a lot of verses throughout the entire Bible, you know, and, and, and one of the things that and I've gotten some people pushing up against this sometimes, as I say, you know, I don't think that the whole Bible happened word for word as it's written, that each one of those experiences, I think it was used as tales to tell a story to help us to understand how to live, to help us to help us to understand ultimately. And this is where it goes against when you look at who ruled nations back then. It wasn't presidents. It was it was higher priests. It was it was religion. It was, it was right. those things that, that ruled and stuff like that. So, but with that, then, then they want to protect that. Conscious monkeys. If you're looking to start your own podcast, I have the two tools that you need to use to get that show on the road. And the names are Buzzsprout and Riverside. I'm combining these into one ad because, you know, I've honestly had nothing but the best for them, but if you're going to be using one of them, you might be using the other one. So what Buzzsprout is, is essentially the 
platform that I use to put my podcast out there. It's the reason you can hear this. That's the reason that I appear on all these different directories. The thing you might also need is that if you're interviewing people, you're going to need Riverside as well. And quite frankly, I'm using it right now to even just record these podcasts because they will even dilate in, dilate in. I don't think that's the right phrase for it. They will harmonize your voice so that it sounds equivalent. So if I start talking quiet at one point, they have a built-in editor that will actually make your voice sound crisp. I highly suggest Buzzsprout and Riverside. Go check out the links below in the description. And like always, these are affiliate links. So I do get a minor kickback if you do sign up with them. However, like always, they are incredible. The support has been on point and they always get back to me. So I highly recommend them. If you have any questions that are there to help. So with that being said, go check it out in the link below and let's get back to the interview. Sure. When you look at, when you look at the Bible and you look at the, the stories in the Bible, ultimately what it's telling us is, is we are God. Yes. God, you know, Jesus says that multiple times about, you know, go within. It's within. It's a God within. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God. We have whatever you want to call it. We have in our being of our soul that we carry around. So, so, so often when people are praying and they pray out there, or they pray up there, or they pray someplace like that, it's, it's right here for all of us. And what happens is we've been taught to be afraid to believe that we've been taught that God is someplace out there. And it used to be that we were taught, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school. I was an altar boy. It was, you know, and, 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 and we were taught to be afraid of God. Yes. To be afraid to sin because of it's going to anger God and he's going to punish us and this and that and everything else. We were taught that now it's man, the, the Catholic church, when they came around and they, and they used to say what hell was and everything else, and we we're going to go to hell and we we're going to this and we we're going to that. And then when they came out and said that hell is any place that God is in, that was a complete change for me in what I was taught God, you know, hell is. Wait, hell is anywhere that God isn't? Any hell is any place that's a Catholic church teaches. But isn't, but isn't God everywhere? Isn't God everywhere and everything? So how would, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just curious. No, 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 that's okay. I mean, I guess if you look at it that way in our sin or, or things like that and stuff, that would be ungodly, right? So God wouldn't, you know, be attached. Hey, he's perfect. He, He can't be a part of any of those things. That's why we're forgiven. And like, there's that whole thing of it and stuff like that. But, but, but the bigger step of that is that the intention is that we come here to love, to learn love at greater levels. It's that we expand love and we do that through learning about our authentic self and living more through that. But so often we're taught to do the robotic thing and conditioning is we're taught to do the opposite. We're taught that God is someplace out there and we have to please him and and, and we can't get too much of something or it makes us bad or we can't, you know, and things like that. And, and so the whole thing, like this sermon that, that I can't wait to give this next one is all about like things we're talking about right here, Clayton, you know, that comfort zone. You know, you believe in God? Yeah, everybody will raise their hand. Hallelujah, this and that and everything else. Okay, tell me a freaking action you took this week to lean into that faith then. What's a scary action you took outside of your comfort zone to open up that faith in your everyday life? And all of a sudden right. people put their hands down and they'll start sitting back more and getting kind of quiet, you know? And I understand <laughs> that because I've lived that life as well. So I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just bringing that up, you know? If we have faith in God, are we testing that faith? Not testing God. Are we testing our faith? Are we putting that to, to, to expand that, to grow that more? And in doing so, the only thing it does is gives us a better life. Right. Right. All and the things, 
Go on. Yeah. And what you're touching on here that I'd love to dive in even deeper is like the illusion of separation, right? I mean, quantum yeah. physics is proving to us that everything is entangled, that every little atom and molecule it's just an illusion. It's like a human illusion that I'm separate from this monitor, that I'm separate from Joey, that I'm separate from the audience member that's listening to this podcast. And so what the biggest disservice that I believe the church has done is make you like, you're exactly what you're saying. Afraid of God, afraid of committing sin, afraid of X, Y, Z. And what I believe that they have done is position themselves in between um, you and God. They're saying, if you want to go to heaven, you have to come to church every single Sunday and pray and do this and do is, that and do X and Y. Is that Z. not how it all started before Jesus was born? Exactly. Well, and then the crazy thing is, is that pray to God. you had to pray to a priest and then exactly. he would go into a closed area and the higher priest would be the only one that could pray. To well, God. And even confession, confession works the same exact way where, and the crazy thing is, is that the idea of confessing, and I've talked to people who've gone through 12 step programs and the act of confessing is super powerful. Yet it's even more powerful as opposed to confessing to a priest. If you actually confess to the person who you've wronged and ask what you're able to do to right that wrong, like, like, so, so the crazy thing is, is like, you know, the act of confession is right. You know, go to, go to quote unquote God and ask for forgiveness, but they say to do it through, um, do it through the church, do it through a priest, do it through a minister. Instead, what you do is you go to the other and, and you go to the, instance or the manifestation of God that you've wronged, you know? So like if I, if I steal from you, Joey, right. And I come back and I go through and I have a problem with stealing. I've transgressed against Joey The the I've transgressed against the manifestation of God that is Joey. And so what's more beneficial for me is to go to the manifestation of God that is Joey and say, Hey, Joey, like I stole from you in the past. I apologize. Like, how can I write this wrong? First of all, nine times out of 10, people are like, I appreciate you for coming. Just don't do it again. And the weight, the energy, the negative vibration that gets released from us whenever we do that is absolutely insane because I've done it myself. Even like, I don't really have, I mean, there, we don't have to, I have been addicted to one or two things, but, and I'm getting away from it. But the power of it is, is that like by doing that, you feel lighter. You don't feel trapped. You don't feel like you're being suffocated down. And the other instant that I would also talk about is this illusion of heaven and hell. I'm kind of of the belief that I think heaven is realizing you create your own reality, that you are God, that you have that ability within you to manifest and to create whatever you desire. And hell is just being stuck in that program. So that's, yeah, yeah that's where yeah. I'll take and, that. And, and where the, where the entanglement, I understand what you're saying about separation, but where the entanglement comes is we have free will, but then we have a Holy Spirit or God within us. Right. Those that, those are separate. My free will, I can align that with God, with the Holy Spirit, with whatever it is, or I can run that however I want to. You, you have know, a those choice. You're talking about. I've gone through that process, and I know what that's like. So I agree with you there. But but really, when we when we when we understand that, and that's what a lot of people's confusion is, because we say that we're God and we're God like and image of God and likeness of God, and, you know, these and even greater things shall you do and all of that and everything. And then, but, but we, when we see that through our, our self, our self will, it, it, it fits differently than when we see it when we're in alignment, when we're in connection with, you know, you know what I mean? In, in that right. 
and here's and here's even and again i'm bringing this back to the gospel of thomas because the words in the gospel of thomas have completely like blown the lid off my head with regards to jesus because something that i also realized is in verse one uh jesus says something along the lines of like whoever understands these words will not taste death and it's like to me it's just like okay the church like has made you fear death and being confronted by god because you are a sinner and so like of course of course it makes sense to me that the church wouldn't want you to be aware of text or words that are able to not have you in fear of death and then the next element of this and this is pretty crazy and i need to do a little bit more research so so kind of take this with a grain of salt but let me know if you've heard this before um back in the day so jesus was jesus of nazareth and then he became jesus the christ and so to be the Christ was an anointment of like a certain attainment of enlightenment that you would achieve. And then it became Jesus Christ. And so what has happened through our neurolinguistic patterns is that, you know, to be like Christ, like it's almost as if we're trying to strive to be like Jesus, when in reality, we want to be of the frequency of Jesus. It's not to view your world saying, well, what would Jesus do? It's more like, no, what would Joey's manifestation of Christ energy do? Does, does that make sense? Like that subtle change that oh, I think if is I was so powerful? Through the Holy Spirit within me, if, if, if we're living through Jesus Christ, if we're living through God in our lives, in the walk of our lives. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've said for a long time, Clayton, is my, my personal belief is every one of our lives is an unwritten book of the Bible. It's another extension of the Bible and with every living, breathing person is another extension of the Bible and how we live our life is an example of that. And, and, and because I don't like attaching judgment to things, you know, in my book, Life's Lessons, I put the only way I could start finding my answers and my directions is I had to start saying there's no good or bad, right or wrong, fair or unfair, and everything just is. And if that's the case, why is this happening? What's this What's this trying to show me? And when I took the judgment out, so even in things like that, you know, I told you, you know, Judas really gets beat up on a lot in the Bible and everything else, but he was necessary. Without him, Jesus would not have been able to fulfill his role in the Bible. You know, and we need those things in our life. We need discontent. Without discontent, we'd all be dead because we'd have no way of figuring out what the hell it is we really want. So we'd just be wandering off and stuff like that. The discontent helps us to guide into what it is we do want. Our Judases help us to get on track and, and strengthen that track and everything else. You know, one of the quotes I love, I heard a long time ago, and I don't remember who it was from or anything, but they said that, you know, we're not taken into deep water to be drowned. We are to be, you know, to be cleansed. Mm. And when I think about that in life, the things that are happening in life that that appear to be hard or rough or, you know, struggles or things like that, they're not to beat me up and change my life and, and hold me down. They're meant to strengthen us, you know, enable us and, and grab hold of courage with with more oomph than what we've had been the prior and stuff and, and to move forward. You know, have you ever noticed when you set out to do something, you get so far and all of a sudden it's like you start bumping into these walls all the time. Yep. It seems like that always happens. And the reason for that is to help give us that last bit of strength we need. I did a test one day. My uh, truck was in the shop and I love my truck. It was in the shop a few months ago and it was in the shop for like nine weeks waiting for a part to come in. So, but, so my girlfriend let me borrow her car for, cause she wasn't driving, you know, she's staying home and stuff. And so she let me borrow her car for a couple of weeks. And I noticed I, I, I drove with the um, cruise control on, you know, and so I didn't notice it so much in my truck, but in her car, I noticed when, when you're going up incline and, and it's the, the engine starts working harder. Right. Right before you get to the peak, 
it works harder. It's like it needs an extra oomph to get up over that. And then it starts going down again. And every time I went up a hill in her car, I noticed right at the very top where I thought it was going to start releasing, it would actually give it more gas. Really? Get over that last hump. And that's what those things are happening for when we're going through that. It's not to hold us back or to push us away from. It's 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 that last ump that we need to to make it over that top, you know, to make it off of that into that launch or whatever it is. I've kind of I've kind of I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's super fascinating that it yeah. But here's the thing is like, you know, things that happen at a molecular level happen at a galactic level as well. So like, you know, the fact that you see it in your car, there's the perfect resemblance of it in your life as well. Because I've also noticed, I think it was probably two weeks ago where I did an interview and I was, I kind of had this like whole thought process of, you know, why am I doing this? You know, I'm not really feeling it anymore, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, I was getting all these, I, I feel energetic when I do it, but like, for some reason I went on the string of a couple of days of like, um, what was it? Just like, just like kind of self doubt essentially. And, you know, it, and this is an interesting thing. Cause this comes back to like the whole Bible. It's like, that's whenever God's testing your vision. It's like, that's whenever you're truly being tested. If you're on the path that you want to do, like, you know, there's so many different ways you can attack that, but it's like, are you actually doing what you want to do? And I think it was probably right around Monday when I was like, no, you know what? Like, this is what I want to do. I've probably just been overworking myself. I've probably been doing too much. I need to take a step back, do less. And I, I shit you not, I think it was, I think it was probably the day after that, whenever this video just started going viral and it was crazy. So uh, that's kind of crazy to look back on it, but it comes back to what you're saying. It's like, you get those tests, you get those, you know, those tests of, okay, is this really what you want? you really want to do this? All right. Like you, you feel those energetic pushes or those energetic uh, blocks, the wrong word challenges. You feel those challenges right before you're about to have that exponential yeah. growth. You and people it, it, call that the devil working in their lives. I'll call it, the, you know, a lot of different things, but that's what it is. It's that last bit of strength that we need to, to build that to then make it over that. Right. And, and what was the other thing I was going to tie into that? Well, the other thing that's reminded me, because you said devil is like, you know, there's this interesting idea I've always had. And I, I first noticed this with politics, because in 2016, when that whole election cycle happened, I could have told you every single quote that every single candidate said I was fucking invested, man. Like I was, it was unhealthy to say the least. I was very unhealthy in it. But the point that I want to bring up is that I started to realize that there was instances where I would get triggered by people who would bring up the opposite or conflicting viewpoint. And I really started to question that, you know, as to like, if I'm so right, if I know everything, if I am so correct about what my viewpoint is, then why am I getting mad about it? Like, like why would, if I truly knew everything, if I truly was so enlightened and correct, yeah, it was like, why am I getting mad about it? And this is coming up I'm bringing this up because I realized this with that video that went viral of people telling me that I'm a heretic, that, you know, I'm going to hell, that I'm spreading the devil's work, that I need to be careful about what I'm saying because, you know, you're, you're bringing the devil into existence, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, you know, if I'm getting so anxious, like, you know, it's like, or it's like, if they are so convinced that I am in, in if I am invoking the devil's word, then why are they getting mad about it? Like if they were so convinced that that was actually what was occurring and maybe there's, maybe there's a um, argument there that no one really wants the devil to be on earth, which fine, fair, I get that. But, but this, but this level of hatred or animosity, it's like, if you're so right and so, and so correct that the Bible isn't actually of Jesus's word, then you wouldn't worry about this at all. 
you would you would not care who I would tell because I'd be able to scream it from a mountaintop and nobody would quote unquote listen because it's not actually his word. But the point is, and I think this is the point, is whether or not Jesus actually said the words that are in the Gospel of Thomas, the fact that they have the power and they show the illustration of the spirituality mixed with quantum physics that I truly see in these words is what yes. people fear the most. It challenges their way of thinking. It challenges the fact that God is within you and it's not this external force. You know, I've had, um, with some of the writings I've done, especially things I've done, like I've done uh, things on meditation, things like that. And I'll give them away to people or some really cheap stuff like that and stuff, you know. And, um, and, and I've had people tell me, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian because you meditate and it's not on God's word and this and that and everything mm. else. And, and I always just quickly turn that around and go, so I, is you're judging me? Is that more Christian than what you see me being? Because I thought Christians were supposed to judge, but that's, I'm, you're yes. clearly judging. And, and, and it's things like that and stuff. And it's just people being people and passionate about what they're passionate about and stuff. But you did say something a few minutes ago that I wanted to uh, touch on is, is, is um, yeah, I lost it now. Oh, my God. Man, this is uh, such a great conversation. We're like <laughs> so much ground here, Clayton. Yeah. Was it with the devil or... No, no, it was before that you had said something with with the devil. You know, people believe they call it devil. They call it dark force. They call it a strengthening mode. They call it a, a, a cleansing, whatever, whatever you refer to it as, if it works for you. And you, but you, if you, but but the big thing in that is to have the understanding that it's not trying to limit you or push you back. The oh, intention I was, of it. I was talking strengthening. Yes, that's was that what you wanted to say, or I was talking about like the politics no, and how. I was talking about the politics and how um, if I actually knew everything, yes. then yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We come about it different ways, but it's really about a beginner mindset. And what I work with, everyone I work with on before we start the vision is I help them get a beginner mindset. So, so most times people will tell you what they know. Right. You'll bring up a subject and they'll go, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And, and they'll mm. do that all the time. And what I tell them is if you knew it all, you wouldn't need me or anything else. You wouldn't need to listen to this podcast. You wouldn't need anything. But if you can just take for a second and say, OK, you understand, you know, a lot. But what is in this that you can add to your existing knowledge base, the existing knowledge base? And when you come about it from there is where you can start. People can start just like you know, lawn, like taking off with growing and, and expanding and, and achieving and everything else and stuff like that. But we get stuck into what we know. And some of the comments you're saying you've gotten, things like that, that I just look at like that is, is, is this is somebody who knows it all about what they know. And I'll tell you, one of the things I do work with a lot of recovery people and stuff. And one of the things I always tell them is, you know, there's two kind of people I meet. There's the guy that comes in and tells you what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, where he's going to do it and how he's going to do it. And then there's a person that comes in and says, man, I, I don't know what to do anymore, man. I'm struggling and, and, and I need help. And I will focus on that second guy all day long because that first guy you can't do anything for until he gets in that other phase. You know? and, and so it's the same thing with that, that beginner mindset. It's not about how much we know, but, but we're judged like that. We're conditioned like that. We're schooled like that. We're, we go through life and it continually comes about us over and over and over. You got to have the answers. You got to know what to say. You got to know the way to say it. You got to know da, 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 da. So we're conditioned like that, but it's not really, that's not really working for us in that. It's well, when we become open to what we can add to it. And that's that the consequence grow. of school as well, right? Is, you know, there's, you get asked a question, there's four possible answers, three are wrong and one is right. 
it's like there's no room to say i don't know like we don't appreciate that people don't know like you know there should be like you should get like 75 percent on a question if you can write in like i don't know like if you're willing to say that i don't know on a question like damn that actually might be super beneficial if any teachers are listening consider that (laughs) you know what i always thought with that clayton is if you don't know but you know where to go to get the answer why the hell shouldn't that be allowed that's (laughs) That's exactly how we should want to be living our lives we don't yeah. want to go with a bunch of people who know. And, and the reason I bring this up, when I talk about the total mindset alignment, we have a, a, the knowing doing, right? Our conscious mind is filled with our knowing. It's our schooling. It's all the things we know. It's all the things we've said and done and everything else and stuff like that, you know? And we know all this stuff. But if we know all this stuff, why is it that our actions are so out of alignment with what we know? You know, that person telling me I'm not a Christian because I talk about meditation and stuff like that. And their judgment in that is very non-Christian. Why, why, why is that no, why is their doing not aligned with it? And what it is, is it goes back into that subconscious conditioning because it's the subconscious that runs the brainwaves that tells the body of the actions to take or not take. And so we know all this stuff, you know, somebody who we haven't seen in a while and they've lost 50 pounds and they're looking better than they ever looked and everything else. And you go out to lunch with them and then they have a big old fat piece of chocolate cake. Like their knowing is not to eat that chocolate cake, but their doing is out of alignment with that. And we do that with our life. We get out of alignment where the actions we're taking are not along the lines of our knowing and they're not along the lines of what we truly desire to experience in life. And bringing those into alignment can be so easy to do, but nobody can do it for us. We have to choose to do it. And to do that, a big part of it is starting with that beginner mindset. It's being that person that goes, man, I keep bumping into this wall here and I'm tired of it. I keep struggling financially. I got this desire for what I want to do for a business, but I can't get past the fear of stepping out of this job to go and do it. That's that one side of it when they can start looking at it as far as rather than, okay, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And you know they're not going to do a majority of them. Or I can reach out and ask for help and do this. I I don't know how to do it. But when I get into that place, and again, that's relinquishing some control. Because saying I don't know is is not a controlling act. It releases control. It's liberating, and it's an act into freedom and more joy and love and empowerment overall in our life. So we relinquish that some of that control to gain more um, you know more power working in our lives. What's really interesting that's coming through for me and this is a personal thing is that when you're talking about that beginner's mindset, I think that was a huge block that I was going through whenever I was kind of questioning why I was doing the podcast is that you know, I've talked to this would have been after podcast number 40. You're going to be 42. And so I think what what occurred was is after podcast 40, I had this feeling of like, why am I still doing this? Because I learned everything I already needed to know. And I think that that's where you see regression in every aspect of life. It's like, you know, however I conducted that interview, I must have been from this place of I know everything as opposed to what the energy was that I started this podcast and I still try to do today is that I don't know everything. I want to get other people's opinions. I want to see how Joey views the world because there's something there that I can learn. And I've done that for probably 95% of my podcast is like ask questions, try to learn, ask questions, try to learn. And I think what happened after that podcast is I was like, it was probably this level of like, well, I already know it all. So why am I still doing podcasts? The the 40 that I did, I already know it all. Like, and I, and I don't think I, it's not like I was consciously saying I know it all, but like, that's a, that's just a conscious awareness that I'm now realizing as you're going through this thing is where 
I need to get back into that beginner's mindset. I need to get back into that mindset of I don't know. I need to bring on people that challenge what I actually know. And this is probably also why this conversation was so enlightening for me is just having this conversation about Christianity and about that viral TikTok video, because now I'm like, oh, like I'm engaged with this because I wanted to get to this point in this podcast to actually bring this up to learn something. You know, and even with that, Clayton, um, before COVID, I told you I was traveling 50 weeks out of the year. 48 to 50 weeks out of the year. And I travel and I would do kind of loops and I'd, I'd go like to Michigan. So I'd stop in Ohio, go to Michigan, go to Indiana and, you know, and do stuff on the way there and back. And I do all these loops and I love doing it and stuff. But there was a time since COVID now when things are starting to come back on and people will say like so many people are going, oh man, we, you know, we want you to do a, a staffing workshop. And it's like, everything I'm doing is staffing workshops. And it got to a point, it's like, God, I don't want, I don't really want to do another staffing workshop. And what I realized for me in that stage, there's two parts here, but what I realized in me in that stage, is it was time for me to mix it up a little bit. The information mm. I was bringing forth was stale for me. And if it's right. stale for me, it's not going to come across and have the same impact on the people I'm delivering. So that would, that's a clear indicator for me of I need to go back and, and, and it's time to shift things like that, right? I love that. The other side of it, whether I'm working with a business owner who's who's made, you know, I worked with a business owner who's at $1.5 million. He wanted to go to $7 million. I helped him within a year go to $5 million, and he's still growing from there and stuff. And 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 but what it is 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 it's so many people will tell you how they have to do it and what they're gonna do and their strategy and their to-do list and everything else and stuff like that. And so one of the things, again, going back to recovery, because it's a good example, is I'll ask guys with 15 years even. I'll say, hey, you know, how many, how many, how much time you got sober today? And they'll say, yeah, oh, 15 years in a week. And I'll go, have you ever lived this day with this much sobriety? And they go, no. I go, so how the hell do you know how to live this day then? On your own. How do you know how to live this day? Because the last 15 years told you how to live those days, but what's telling you how you're gonna live today? And if it's coming from your own head. You're working on that first drink. If you're a business owner and you want to grow your business, you're bringing your limitations of what you've experienced into this on your through your own accord. The best right. you can do is through your own accord. If you want that great people that come to me and they want that great love of their life, you know, and they want to meet that person and everything else, doing it on their own, everything I've walked through with them, they've just experienced creating the relationships that were mediocre at best in their life over and over and over and over and over again. And it's until we say, you know, I haven't done this. I haven't lived this day. This conversation with you today, I, I came into this very, very open. We didn't talk and script and all that stuff and everything. I, and it really excites me to live this way because it's going to flow. But I don't know what it's going to be. I'm just open to them, open to learning from you and growing from you and hearing what you have to say. And then adding in what I have to add in along the way as well. And then all of a sudden we have what? Two hours of, of this great two and a half hours of this great conversation yeah. or hour and a half of this great conversation we're having and stuff. When we get into that place of already knowing, we have no room for growth or expansion in that. Exactly. And I've gotten to the point where people are starting to like bring me on their podcasts or bring me on like their shows and they're like, you know, what do you want us to ask you? I'm like, I don't I don't care. Like, okay, well, we'll, we'll put together some questions and send them over. I'm like, no, don't, don't fucking send me the questions. Same I don't want to see that shit. Same way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, want to have a scripted talk because yeah. it takes away from what the possibilities are. I can't figure it out. Like I can't like, and there's actually one podcast I did that 
I think was my personal, personally, I thought it was the worst one. I'm not going to mention which one it was, but the guy actually sent me all of his talking points. And during the interview, I actually had it up on my screen and it completely broke me out of the flow state because I keep looking down at the talking points, looking back at him, trying to think of what the next thing I'm going to talk about is like, oh shit, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. Like in our conversation, there's a couple pings I have that have things I still want to bring up one in particular, but but the point is, is like that ping will com- keeps coming whenever it's an opportune time to bring it up. It's not yeah. it, like if I'm sitting here looking at it on the physical screen, it's like it's going to completely bring me out of the zone of actually talking to you about whatever it is we're actually talking about now and to take that in that mystical way wherever it's going to go. Yeah, when I when I first started talking in front of people and things like that, I would I would script it, I'd memorize it, I would figure out where the inflection needs to go and this and that and everything else, and I I couldn't stand doing it. I feared the whole time I was doing it, I was going to mess something up. I, I now what I do is exactly what you said. I get a couple of those pings. I usually use my fingers, you know, when I'm speaking in an audience, and so I can just touch my finger. I know what that, and and I just flow. And sometimes I don't touch on a couple of them, but these these ones come up, and they're more powerful than what those would have been had they out. And I just get into that flow and just allow it to be there, and it's faith. Yeah, it's trusting and expecting that the flow is there, you know, that it's going to show up and the words are going to show up and, you know, the whole thing. And that's exactly, we're experiencing that right here. And this is probably something to even like valid. I mean, you're validating it already, but just even as an articulated validation, it's like, I see that in my future, I'm probably going to be giving talks to like a lot of people. And one of those talks, I've kind of thought that the name of it is going to be, I'm going to hell for this, just because of like this reaction to this, that viral yeah. video. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, that's- where, yeah. So, so first of all, it takes the wind out of anybody's sail who tries to come and be like negative about it. It's like, you know, kind of owning that aspect already. But yeah. then, you know, the next question is, is like, well, what are you going to talk about? And I realized that just by having that title, I'm going to hell for this. Like, that's the only introduction I need because the question becomes is like, why are you going to hell for this? And then I could probably go on an hour long rant conversation, talk just about that core concept that's going to go through all these ebbs and flows, exactly how this conversation did without needing to prepare because the last fucking X years of my life have been that preparation. I can pull from personal experiences. I can pull from the way of what other people might be saying or articulate something a certain way and say, well, the counter argument is this. And then just go and go and go for however long that talk needs to be. Yeah. You know, I, I told you I write sometimes and I'll just get this thing to sit down and write. And, and last year I wrote a book, a decent size book, too. And the title of the book, I have not published it. The title of the book is The Power of Motherfucker. <laughs> OK. <laughs> and it gets into how powerful we really are. And I thought that was a great name, but I just can't get myself to publish it for fear of attaching my name. You know, what I mean, to something like that out there and stuff. But at some point. It's, it's ready to go. Well, that's okay. So that's actually a really, this is probably somewhere we can take this, especially from a religious perspective is like curse words, right? So there's a couple of things that just came to mind. Number one, all words are curses, but we can get to that in a second. Um, what is really fascinating is like one of the comments I had on that video, cause I was like, I, w- I said something along the lines of like, oh, like, you know, these are secret teachings of Jesus. The church doesn't want you to know about, and you're going to know why by the end of this. And like, like after I explain this to you, I'm still quoting myself after I explain this to you, you're going to be like, damn, that shit makes sense. Like those were the maximum swear words I used in that video. And one of the comments was, is, you know, something like you're not a Christian after I saw, after I heard the, 
after I heard you swearing, like that confirmed it for me, like best of luck or something like that. And that kind of got me thinking as well, where it's like, well, why, you know, first of all, why is there so much negativity put on curse words? Like, like, first of all, I would like to address that every word is a curse. Like you're literally casting your spell into the world. It's why they call it spelling as well. I heard that, got that from another thing is that you're actually like putting your spell, your curse, your magic behind whatever it is you're producing because of these words. So first of all, every word's a curse word, but then it's, it's really fascinating to me that like, okay, there's certain words that we've decided that if you use them such as motherfucker, you're going to quote unquote hell. Like you're going to hell because you're yeah. like, and there's this fear, yeah. especially within you. The severity to, of the word. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even you just articulated that. And I'm assuming I, you didn't say this outright, but that there's a fear with putting your name next to the word motherfucker because of this backlash that might actually come from the church and Christianity and correct me if I'm wrong, but I just find that fascinating in those regards. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, Part of the reason I would do it is because of that. But part of the reason that I, I wouldn't do it is because of that. And, you know, I cuss. I mean, I've cussed on here and stuff like that. And, and you know, name my company is IFGT. It's freaking go time. And it didn't start with freaking, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I'll go into church and deliver a service and say that, you know, I'm the founder of IFGT. It stands for it's freaking go time, you know, and people laugh and everything else. And it's, 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 it's really... <laughs> My life has become where my core beliefs are stronger than any freaking buddy else's out there for my life with, with relation to my God and how I see how I see my God, the connection I have with my God, the way I communicate with my God. It's personalized for me, and it's no longer conditioned based on what somebody else thinks I should do. And just like that person telling you you are not a Christian and stuff like that, the easy answer to that is your judgment would tell me neither are you. Right. And what happens is people believe what they believe, and everybody's everybody's good in their sense. A lot of times they show us, you know, I used to tell my son all the time growing up, you know, you're going to meet people who are going to show you how to be. And you're going to meet people who show you how not to be. Those both sides are just as valuable to you finding you, you know. And so so it's the same thing here, you know. I've met, you know, Christian people who are like, you know, really high faith in, in everything else. And they don't swear and they don't this and they don't that and they, everything else. And stuff. And, but those typically wouldn't be the people who tell you you're not a Christian. They may think you're not a Christian, but they're not going to express that, you know, and put that curse, like you said, put that out there for that. You know, what I have found is it's the do-gooder type of things that, you know, the people that hold their hands like this and they put their head at the right angle to their neck and everything else in church and stuff like that are the same people who will run you over to get the hell out of the parking lot after service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not a judgment on anybody. It, it well, just, here, here, ready for this? It is. There's a verse in, yeah. in, Go- in the Gospel of Thomas that talks exactly about this. Um, it's something along the lines, I don't remember the verse number, but the, it's where it's like, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? How should we fast? How should we give alms? How should we like live life essentially? And Jesus is like, don't lie. He's like, he basically doesn't answer it, but he's just like, don't lie. Live honestly. God knows all like, 
And then he kind of, and then in another verse, he kind of basically says, don't pray, don't give alms. Don't like, I don't want you doing any of these things. And the way I took the verse is like, there is no right way to do things. There is no structured rule set. That's going to get you to quote unquote heaven. Like just by swearing doesn't mean that you're going to hell it like just by, you know, praying just because you're praying doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. You know what I mean? Like, like just because you're going through these motions, if it doesn't align with your soul and there's other verses that kind of add to this, but he talks about a spark within you. Um, and he talks about how there's a spark within him that he wants to feed until the world's ablaze. And it goes back to this. Like if you're not doing what you got to do to feed that spark within you, that absolutely sets the entire world on fire and you're doing certain things just because it's in the rule set, whether it's not swearing, whether it's calling people out for not being Christian, whether it's praying just because you're told you need to pray, it doesn't mean that you're going to find heaven. And I think, and again, I think that's a powerful reason why if gospel of Thomas was conveniently left out, but regardless, that's a different point. The point I'm just trying to make is, is that, you know, they, they created these rule sets and it's like, just because you follow the rules doesn't mean you're going to find out that you are God. It's it's not even the rules. I mean, if you read the Bible to be a Christian, you accept Jesus as your Lord and savior. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. That's Christianity in total right there. Okay. That defines Christianity. If you believe that and you accept that, then you, you baptize through that, then, then you're a Christian. And if you don't, then you're not. It's it's that. I don't like when, when, when they start talking about you're not a Christian because you, you swear or because I this or because I that. You know, there's people that say I'm not a Christian because I ride a motorcycle. There's people that say I'm not a Christian because I <laughs> have tattoos. There's people that say I'm not. It, 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 That's so why. So what? You Ultimately, you don't get to decide in my life who I am and who I'm not. And that's one of the other parts of my life that comes with like the walk that I followed and the pathway and the learnings and teaching and everything I've been through and stuff is, is, is I know my character defects. I know where I'm good and where I'm not. I know all those things. I don't need anybody to tell me that stuff anymore. I get to decide that for me. And I, it's my own personal journey with my relationship and building that with God. I don't need outside influences. You know, I can get inspiration, things like that to grow that, but I don't need people to tell me whether I am or not. Right. Or what level I am. When I'm in that alignment place, if I'm doing something that's not honoring or pleasing God, he'll let me know. And I can do something different and it can be that easy. And, and what's amazing is, is especially, I mean, there's a lot of truth in what you just said. But what's even more amazing is the aspect of like what you're saying, like, you know, you, I think you articulated it kind of like if you're going to find people along your path that are going to show you who you want to be and then people who are not. But I think you can even find that within an individual person, for instance. So as an example, like there's so many people that have come across my past, whether it's coaches or whatnot, that um, coaches or like Akashic record readers or whatnot, where there's stuff to learn from them. But then I realized that not everything that they say aligns with me. And I'm like, okay, like this is interesting because it's taken a couple people for me to figure this out. But essentially what I've realized is, is that there's people that hold information that helps me become a better person. And there's information that they believe that doesn't align with my highest self, with my self of being like Christ, let's say, or being the highest person that I can be. And I believe that it's within all of our responsibility to find that discernment and I don't know how much you know about the Akashic records, but I, I've like certified in becoming an Akashic records reader. So I'll like work with people to help them read the records. 
And the very first thing that yeah. I always say whenever I do it is it is on it's a hundred percent your responsibility to discern the information that I'm telling you. If it resonates with your soul, take it and run with it. If you feel a rejection or uneasiness about the information, leave it. It's not for you. And I think that is like the core here that you could even get out of this interview that anyone's listening. Like maybe there's some stuff that Joey says that people are like, yes, that's my absolute truth. And then there's some stuff you say where they're like, I'm not sure about that. But the point is, is that it's within your own nature. And this comes back to the whole thing. It's within your own discernment of what information resonates with you and what you need to leave at the door. Yes, absolutely. And now take that philosophy. Okay. And we're talking, you know, religion, spirituality, concept records, all that. Take that philosophy and apply it to how you live in your life. Take that philosophy, not you particularly, but take that philosophy and look, am, 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 I, am I taking the stuff, am I leaning into what feels good? Because, Clayton, what happens is so many people have gotten so beat up for generation over generation over generation, and they just accept a lot of struggle. They accept a lot of, of mediocrity. They accept a lot of, you know, minimal and, and small and, and limited and everything else and stuff like that. It doesn't feel good, but they've accepted it because they're in that comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it might smell like crap. It might look be dirty and mucky and everything else, but they're comfortable in it. They know it. Right. Out there, they don't know. So take that same thing and start finding ways of leaning into what feels good, what brings more life, what brings more excitement and things, and, and step into taking actions into that, even small ones. I worked with a client one time and her and her, her, her family every year for eight years, 10 years, whatever it was, they, they'd take a vacation and they'd go to this certain spot and they'd pull over and everybody would strip down to their swimsuits and they'd go jump off this bluff, fall, you know, 25 foot into the water and stuff like that and go up and do it again and stuff like that. And, and the, the client that I worked with, she would never do it. Like she was always afraid to do it. And so so she ended up, um, the year we worked together, she goes, you know what? I'm going to do that this year. I'm doing it. So they went. They didn't know she had a swimsuit under her clothes and stuff. So they pull over. They all jump out of the car, strip down, you know, take off. And she strips down and she starts going to the edge. And she, I had her really, I don't know why at the time, but I had her describe the last three steps to me. Mm. And she said she's walking up there. And she was nervous and it was building. And she got like the third step away and she could just feel this fear welling up inside of her. And then she took a step forward and it got stronger and it started making its way up to her throat. And she started getting these thoughts like, don't do it, don't do it. And she got the one step there and she said that she almost couldn't move. She was almost paralyzed by the fear of it. And then she said that she went down and she jumped. And the moment her feet left the ground, the fear was gone and it was just all excitement. So she went down, fell in the water, her family surprised. They all went back up, did it again. But that's what it's like. That's what it's like, that fear. You know, it seems our fears, and I know it's kind of turning a little bit, our fears are so wide. It's like we can never get around them. And they're so tall, we can never get over them. But most of the time, they're paper thin when we go through them. And I remember the first time I spoke on stage in front of it, it was like 350 people. And I spoke on small ones, but never that size. And and I was, you know, they told me, okay, so when we start, you know, talking about the next part, you go up there. And they told me, okay, go up there and stand by the, you know, in the shadow there. And as they introduced me, then they'll call me up on stage. And so I went and stood there. And I swear to you, man, I knew the closest door for me to bolt out of. And, mm. and, and I'm looking and I had an eyeball and part of me is saying it. And there were two steps and then the stage. And I took, and they, so they're introducing me, and I took the first step, and 
like my insides were going, run, run, run. You don't have to do this. You're not even getting paid for this. And all this stuff is coming up. And yeah. then I take the next step and it was just like, like just so strong. I started sweating. And then my foot touched the stage and I felt like I was home. I walked out there, hugged her, took the microphone, started talking, went on longer than I was supposed to, got three standing ovations, walked off there, and I was just like on cloud nine doing That's awesome. It. But my fear would have told me not to do it and talked me out of it. And so often people don't get to achieve to fulfill their purpose in their life, to fulfill what they're most desire and dream about because of fear. But that's fear is manageable. We're going to have fear as we go. To go into anything new outside of our comfort zone, there's going to be some fear attached. So knowing how to manage that fear will make all the difference in how fast and then how far we can achieve in our life. Conscious Monkeys, I've got something out there for all my coaches. Anybody who has digital courses, anybody who's creating content, whether it's audio or video, you got to check out SuperPass. SuperPass is the super dope platform that I've been using now, and they're actually what has enabled my app to work. It's what's enabled me to start generating income and to help people more effectively. If you are a content creator, you create audio, video, whatever it may be, SuperPass might be the choice for you because they'll provide you with your own app and they have a great online service to also help you out. So I'm not going to put in too much because everything they do is way too much to pack into this one ad. I will say go click the link below because that is where you'll be able to find all the information. This is an affiliate link and I wouldn't be promoting them if it didn't help me. Click the link below and go check out SuperPass. With that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the last segment of the interview. It's really beautiful. And, you know, there's another way I like looking at this or maybe I don't. I don't know if I really like it this way or not, but there's another way to look at it. Bring it up. Let's kick it off. It's the idea of like, you know, are you afraid, you know, it's like, like, is it, is the fear of failure worse than the fear of, or the feeling is the feeling is the fear of failure worse than the feeling of never trying and thus failing because you never actually tried, you know, taking a chance on yourself going to most like, times are one in the same, right? The fear of failure will stop people from stepping out and taking actions into what they want to achieve. Not, not, not failure, just the fear of failure. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I guess I'm trying to say like, you have two, you come at an impasse, right? Like say whenever I quit my job, I came at an impasse, which was, okay, option A is to quit the job without a plan at all and start, you know, ultimately start the podcast travel, blah, blah, blah. Or stay exactly where I am in my quote unquote comfort zone because I'm afraid to fail, stay at the job that I have that's super comfortable, I'm never gonna get fired, live till I'm 60, be quote unquote, get married, have this, have kids and do all that. Like, and then look back on your life at the age of 70 and be like, wow, I really wish I would have taken that risk on myself. I really wish I would have, like, so take it from that perspective too. It's like, what if you were 80 years old right now? Like, and this is another thing you can do is like sit there and just close your eyes and literally imagine yourself kind of on your deathbed or if you're 80 or whatever age you want, 100 years old and say, what if I would have done that? Like, and you never had taken that option. Like, like, would you like, like to me, that that is so crazy as well. And the other thing that's another fear that people have is, oh, fear of nuclear war, fear of this and that. And guys, don't worry about nuclear war. It's not going to happen. The aliens are going to protect us. So don't worry about that. But <laughs> um, my my whole thing with 
fear of like the world ending tomorrow. It's like, well, what if it did end tomorrow? Like none of this is guaranteed. There's no shortage of people who have, you know, um, who haven't made it to the, you know, let's say a hundred year mark. And even if you did, would you have rather lived like it? And the crazy thing is, is like, I can easily say that at this point in my life, the last year of my life, like if it were to all end tomorrow, I would have found what I was looking for. Like I would, I found that divine spark that I feel like so many people go to the grave and never experience because of fear, all in the name of fear and avoiding those things. And so, and and one of the things, one of the things I think with, with, um, with my walk in this life is every step I took up that corporate ladder went against my desire. So when I went from a, a draftsman to a, you know, engineer to a, a program manager, or project manager to a program manager to a sales associate to all the way up that every time one of those promotions came, it was almost like a kick in the gut because it took me out of my passion. But it was my comfort zone. It was my conditioning that a man gets a job, supports a family, and hopefully lives long enough to enjoy some retirement. And so I followed that hook, line, and sinker. And I'm telling you, I tried multiple times. And the clients I work with, it's 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 not that they don't have a desire to. It's that that fear of breaking that. And, and the fear of feeling because of the conditioning is so strong, feeling like they're going against everything that they know to be true in life, which is that that untrue conditioning. <laughs> Yeah, is 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 is, is it, it pulls you into it, and it really takes a lot to break through that. And so, just to step off like that and stuff is is a very it's a courageous thing. But it would almost cause people to have heart attacks and strokes. It's the process in which you do it is you start taking steps in that direction, and it starts opening it up. And one of the ways I work with people who are working in a job and want to have their own business is I help them get the business going really quick. And then I help them start ramping up that business. So they get so busy in their business, they no longer have time to go to work. And when Uh, they get into that phase is where it takes some of the fear out of that because you've built that business, it's growing, you're seeing it prosper and things, and then it becomes less. But to just like, you know, for me, I told you, and, and honestly, I'll tell you this, what was really pivotal in me resigning from corporate America is my dad was 74 years old. And he was in Arizona and we went down to see him when they moved him from the hospital to the hospice center. And the second day he was there, he was up, he was awake. He used to love watching the cutlery shows. So he's telling us which knives are good, which ones are garbage, all that and everything. But in that day, he talked about the things he he regretted. He talked about the, the desires he had in his heart that he never stepped into doing and stuff. And I had no idea that would be the last day he was conscious. And the next day he was unconscious, the day after that he passed away. And that's what was running through my head in that. And that's every time I meet somebody, why it impacts me so much when somebody's not able to step into getting help for themselves and, and they fall back into that because I, I've seen that at that end point. And I don't want anybody to ever have to go like that. I want people when they get to that end time that they go, man, what a fucking ride. What I mean, amazing ride this Right. And, and it, we have all the power in us, Clayton, to do that. And what a beautiful, I mean, you know, a tragically beautiful last gift for your dad to to give you before, you know, going on to the next the next stage of his uh, existence. Um, what it brings up to me is I remember reading and this was back before I had all this like realizations and stuff back whenever I was questioning the whole retirement structure of you get to go to school for 20 years and then 
you go to work for 40 years and then you get to retire and then live your life. I remember reading a Reddit article that was talking about some lady who was a hospice caretaker and you know, she was basically at, she would ask, you know, people who are on their deathbed, you know, what is it that, what is it that you love the most about um, life? Or she would ask them, you know, about life and like, you know, what they got from it. And some of the most reoccurring statements and the two that really stick out to me the most are number one, what you said, where it's like that regret, the, the regret of things. It's not about what they did. It's what they didn't do that they remember the most. And it was that. And then the other one was like spending time with their family. Like people wish that they didn't work as much. They wish that they had actually taken that step back. And quite frankly, that was a a huge motivator to actually go back and live with my parents where I'm at now is that, is that like feeling of like, well, what if I would have spent more time with my parents instead of working, you know, whatever I was 40, 50 hours a week and actually spend time with them to learn from them what I can. And, you know, (laughs) the last, five months, although I didn't expect to be here, I expected to be in Brazil, but regardless, it's like, you know, the enlightenment, the, the awareness that has come to me from this and, and even the deeper bonding of understanding them, understanding the programs that they went through. It's, it's so, it's so wild that, you know, it's just a, it's a gift. And I, you know, it comes back full circle to how we're saying like, you know, cherish where you're at in each moment, because I know there, there will be a time where, I'll be on to the next, I'll be on to the next stage of my life, you know, and I probably won't talk to them every single day. So I need to cherish as much as that as I can while I am here. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And and just to kind of double back a little bit there is, is, you know, people go into jobs that they can't stand, whether they have a a vision of desire of what they want or not, but they're just in that struggle, people struggling financially, people struggling in relationships that aren't working for them, like all of that stuff, that fear isn't bullshit. That fear is real. The fear is real and it's alive and it's strong and it's powerful. And that's why so many people get stuck there their whole life is because they don't know how to step beyond that. They don't know it's and they're they're always, you know, so often they're told, you know, if you have faith, you don't have fear. And if you have fear, you don't have faith. And but it's not like that, really, is we step into faith. You know, faith starts out like this. And over time, it opens a, a tad and then another tad. And eventually we get to be like this. But it, it's not this to this right away like that. And so having avenues to help people through that fear and, and not around it or going over it or, you know, there's some places that will say, you know, we can help you get around your fears. It's not about going through them. You don't get strengthened by that. You get strengthened by going through those fears. And that's what strengthens you to achieve what you want to achieve. So even in that regard, you can end up looking at the end result and say that fear was necessary to strengthen you to make it past the, the hurdles and things like that to get to where you wanted to get to. You know, it's all about emo- It's all about energy. Everything is energy. Right. And so if, if pain can motivate us to do something different, then then thank God for that pain. If, if, if our fears are what's are what really end up where we get that emotional energy to launch our life, then then, you know, the, there's a gratitude in having that fear, because without that, you'd never had that drive. And so it's using it that way. But that fear that people feel in those situations is real. The fear you felt in walking away from there, I'm sure you spent some time thinking about it before you took an action. And that's a fear period there. And one of the worst times to have fear is, is, is when you have fear, but there's no actions moving through it. 
you know, to sit in the fear, it grows so quick and so strong. The first company I worked with going into bankruptcy, the CEO called me in his office and I, he goes, how's it going? I go, it's going good. He's going, come on. The guy running our sales show here, watching us go down the drain, talking about bankruptcy, knowing who you are, it's not going good. And he's right. I go home every weekend in, in fear. And, and one key thing he gave me is he said, as long as you keep your activity level the right way, intuitive action, as long as you keep your activity level above your fear, you'll always be okay. Interesting. But it's when we get that fear and we pull back. Instead of leaning into from it. Life, that it grows so quickly like a cancer. I mean, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, it's like, you know, to go back to faith, it's like, you know, having the, you know, you pursue fear because of your faith. It's not like they're separate. It's like they're, you know, you have such a strong faith that you're able to deal with fear in a sense. So I think, I think I heard you right. You said that you build your fear because of the, you build your faith you, because of the fear. Well, hmm, that's interesting. I guess I was saying you challenge your fear. You're able to step through that fear because of the faith. Like you do, you do what you're afraid of because you have faith that it will work out or it works the and same you way. You build your faith as you're working through your building, your working through your fears, build your faith. Yeah. Exactly. Both ways, both ways it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something that's a little bit more uh, materialistic, and this might be something that feeds yeah. the ego that I'm, I'm interested to question and see what you said say about this. Um, I saw that you've been featured in like all these different journals and magazines. So what, like, I'm curious to like, I guess I'm curious to the how, but like, how does that happen? How do you kind of find yourself on the cover of magazines? How do you find yourself being published in, you know, different journals and magazines? Again, like, you know, I, this I, is a step I, back from the, the spiritual and enlightenment. And no, that's okay. But my, <laughs> my, my vision isn't to have, you know, my face on magazines. It's not to, you know, I have a TV show, a national, uh, uh, national network or nation. No, international network. I have my own TV show that's going to be coming out this fall. It's called It's Freaking Go Time. Oh, really? And I'm going in working with individuals and business owners and things like that. And instead of like, you know, we can't get sales or I can't find the love of my life or I'm struggling financially is, is I help them get below the surface into the core of what's really going on there, shift that and get them some results. And it's not reality TV. It's more real TV where it's really people going through these things and helping them and then bringing them out and celebrating their successes. You know, it's, in each episode will be a different area doing that. So, but I didn't set out, my vision doesn't say I want to have this TV show. I want to be on this many book covers. I, 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 I want to write this many books. I, I want to inspire, motivate, and lead millions of people to live better lives. In whatever avenue show up for me for that, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm blessed. Having this conversation with you right now and getting to share this information with your listeners and stuff, such a blessing to me. However, it shows up. I had a gentleman reach out to me last week and he said, hey, I want you to come out to India and talk to 50,000 people live in August. Are you interested? Jeez. And, and I couldn't like I couldn't get YES out. So I put I never say no. Let's talk. <laughs> but like things like that happen. And it's when getting into that flow, getting that alignment, clearing the pathway from the subconscious conditioning. And all of a sudden, these things just start showing up out of the blue for me. And you I know, want it's, it's, it's to the point now where people that know me pretty well know that I refer to God as blue. 
That's what I call my gun. And I love the color blue. It's my branding colors and everything okay. else and stuff. But the reason I do it is, Clayton, every person I talk to that's doing incredible things, I'll go, how do you do that? How did you do that? And at some point, it always comes out. I, it came out of the blue. Ah, uh, you know, it's and that's interesting. God working in our lives. You know, it's interesting. When we slow down, we get into alignment. All of a sudden, these things start happening. The miracles start happening. You know, it's we inter- can't stop them from happening. You can't stop them. They're out of control. Well, what's interesting? No, I mean, we can't, though. We can't, when we're relinquishing some control and, and trusting and building faith in all of the stuff and clearing the pathway and stuff, we can't help but to receive those miracles showing up. Right. It's and, impossible. And something that's interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, but my logo, the background color is actually blue. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's cool. Out of the blue, man. But something I wanted to focus on here then, um, because so here's actually a really interesting distinction, right? Because whenever I've written down like kind of my, my vision board, vision journal, whatever you want to call it, it has involved the fact that I w- so, so here's what's interesting in my mind is where, you know, there's, I think there's a couple of reasons that people would want to appear on a magazine. I think number one could be from an egotistical validation point of view of look at me, which you know, I'm not going to say that there's no element of me that would enjoy that from an egotistical perspective. But the reason I say that is because I believe that it would help produce or help my message get to more people. Now, what I found interesting about your answer is that it was never about actually getting onto the magazine. You always just proposed it from the question of, does this help my message reach, inspire? I forget exactly how you worded it. Reach and inspire. Fire, motivate and lead. Inspire, inspire, motivate, and lead millions of people. And so I guess, you know, it's it's really fascinating to me because you're kind of just operating from that question. Does this do that? And if the answer is yes to that, then you do it. And that's kind of what has led to you having a TV show, being on, you know, different, yeah. you know, all these things. If, if, if I said, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do get on this magazine, and I'm going to get on. Now, I have some things I, I'd like to do. You know, I still picture myself doing a Super Soul Sunday with Oprah at some point. Okay. <laughs> and I know she's not doing them right now and stuff, but, like, I do. I, I see myself being on Cal, Cal, uh, Good Morning America. And, and, like, I so I do have some particular ones like that. But you don't see the magazines that framed in box frames and everything else behind me. and everything. It's not about me. Right. It really isn't about me. It's about like every client will go to me, like at some point they'll have breakthroughs and stuff. They go, I'm so grateful I met you and this and that. And I tell them, you're the hero in your journey. All I'm doing is I'm following what God's telling me. And by doing that, my life is so incredible. Why would I not want to do that? It's not a giving thing on my part. It's that I get, I get to live like this and I get to have the feelings I have about life and everything else and the closeness with God and all that by doing what I do. You know, but but really every person I work with, they're the hero in their journey. I'm not. All I'm doing is facilitating. All I really do, and I've had friends who told me this, is they said, you know, you really piss me off sometimes because you don't ever come out and say what you're thinking. You just ask questions. Uh, but your questions lead me to thinking about that myself. And that's what I do is I'll be working with somebody, Clayton, and I'll get a question. And there's sometimes when I go, it's not even fitting into the conversation. But I swear to you, there's been times the last three minutes of a, of, a, of a coaching session or something, it'll just be weighing and, and like hitting into my head, like, come on, come on, come on, you know, and I'll go, I don't know why, but and I ask them a question and I cannot believe the responses I've gotten where people go, how would you know to ask me that? And it'll open up something that will be a huge breakthrough for them in their life. And it's and that's all I do is I just follow that process. I've built 
a four-week program, a 12-week program, six-month program, executive one-year program, things like that for people. But it's all about taking that subconscious alignment, the subconscious conditioning, realigning, aligning the mindset and clearing that pathway to then developing that vision and bringing that to fruition in life. And how you follow that is different than how anybody else would follow it. I love that. And one of the things I would like to touch on while we're talking about this sure. is with coaching. Like I told you, I love Tony Robbins. You know, Grant Cordon, like I, looking at what he's created in his life and everything else is, is so incredible and, it's, and, you know, motivating. But people will go to him, to him to show them what he did. And he'll do that. But how many of those people ever achieve the same results that he's achieved? I know, I've, I, I know this because I've looked up. It's less than 1% and smaller than that even. Can you say that again? I think I missed that. Yeah. So you have these people who have achieved enormous success in their life. And then other people go to them and say, tell me how you did that. Okay. And so they'll tell them how they did it. But none of those other people that they're showing achieve anywhere near uh, the right. level of success the person showing them has. And the reason being is that person was able to open up their pathway to success. They were able to, and it's unique to every one of us. So I don't teach people what I did. Nobody knows of exact pathways I've done. I have some common stories, but nobody knows of my pathway because it doesn't matter. My pathway is not going to be yours or anybody else's. So that's what I tell people. I, I don't know your answers, but where I'm really freaking good is helping you identify identify those answers and then put actions in place and do the shifting we need to do to bring that to fruition quicker than you'd be able to do otherwise. I a hundred percent what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I tell you, I've, I've invested tens of thousands of dollars in coaching programs with people who told me how I should be spending my day and what I should be doing what time. Mm -hmm. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, you know, you shouldn't be, I don't want you cutting your grass anymore. You hire somebody to do it. You know, <laughs> that's money you could be making. And, and I'm like, and that was an ending point because I was like, fuck you. Yeah. I spent 45 minutes on my zero turn radius lawnmower once a week, and I love it. It's meditative for me. Oh, yeah. It's inspiring, energizing. I'm not giving that up. I love I love that. And and I'll start off by saying, like, not even having worked with you, I can tell that you're a good coach just by the way that you're articulating all this. Because <laughs> I had this same thing with podcasting where I went to a podcast coach, quote unquote, and his whole thing was you know, like, tell, like, you know, basically why are you doing this? I'm like, well, you know, I want to make money of course, but like, I enjoy it. I want to get my message out there. And he's like, all right, well, since you said you want to do this for a business, basically we need to cut down your podcast. It needs to only be 45 minutes. You need to do this, this, and this. And I'm sitting there like, he's not asking me any questions. Like, like, cause I know this cause I've helped people, just friends, parents, yeah. relatives. And you just ask, like, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like he's not asking questions. He already has all these pre-canned answers to what like it is. And I'm like, okay. He's giving you the pathway that worked for somebody. No, exactly. what he's doing. And expecting. And that's like, and that's a lot of people why they're negative on coaching. Sorry. And, and a lot of people, like I talked about the law of attraction, because it's all taught as a one size fit off. Right. If you do these things in, in, in more robotic trained conditioning, right? You do these things at this time, this way, and you're going to be good. But what it is, is, is it really isn't about like successful people don't do certain things. Successful people do things a certain way. When you tap into that way and find what your unique way is for that, when you talked about that with the podcast or the things you do and, and, and you make sure that you're in that energy place for you, your energy place is not going to be mine, Clayton. It's not going to be anybody who's listening to this. Right. But when we when you identify what that is for you 
and you follow that, that's doing things a certain way. That's getting that alignment before you even step out into it and publish it. And that's helping people find what that is for them. I don't care if anybody ever knows what mine is because it's not going to work for them anyways. doesn't matter. I want to help people find what theirs is. And once they know this, once somebody knows their pathway, then they can, any area that they venture out into in their life, it's the same thing is going to apply. So once they understand it, instead of trying to follow Tom, Dick, and Harry into everything, they have their unique pathway that works for them. And then they can apply it here and they can apply it here and they can apply it here. And every area of their life will be positively impacted by that. I love that. And it's so, yeah. and it's so true. It's so true. Cause that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how I've had coaches, let's say, kind of like therapists or training coaches with um, the Akashic Records training, but I also had like kind of like a plant medicine therapist, but it's like you realize even in the people you need to learn something from, there's a moment where you realize that you no longer need them as a teacher. It's like you can move on from their wisdom almost. And I don't want to say move on, but there's a, there's like a level yeah, of right growth. There. There's like a level of st- staleness. It's like, you, like, in, and so the sign of a good coach, and I, I'm based on everything you've said, I'm sure you're going to agree with this. It's like, you don't want people being your clients for the rest of their life. It's like, you've almost failed if, if people don't realize how to discern information for themselves, how to figure out the, the tools on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've worked again with a lot of coaches from the time I was 22 until I'm, you know, older than that now. I'm not 28, but I'm not too far. <laughs> we don't have to get specific. <laughs> okay. We're not going to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyways, in doing that, I've seen coaches who have like their core group of people they've been working with for three, five, seven, eight years with. Or something. That's not me. I don't want to work with somebody for three, five, seven, eight years. I want to work with somebody for the amount of time I need to work with them to where they're off and they're going. And one of the things I do with every client I work with is I allow support even after we're done with whatever program and stuff like that. So they have that avenue because now they go out into the world on their own, so to speak, and they're trying this stuff out and they're going to bump into things. And I want to make sure they have an avenue to come back to to have support in that phase. So I offer that and then to help them grow into where they don't need me because people that have been working with me for eight eight years or so or multiple years, they're not going to be near as good references <laughs> for other people and testimonials and stuff as people when I can help somebody go within a year to go from 1.5 to almost $5 million in their business, when I can help you know somebody go from the point of struggling financially within months, struggling financially to having a bank account and things in alignment and the 401k and mattress money and all that, when I can help realtors that are struggling, spiraling downward to within six month period of time, turn their business around to their most profitable year in 13 years. And then the, which was like, which was like $9 million and in sales. And then the following year have a $10.5 million goal and achieve over $22 million in sales and residential real estate and doing that. Those are the kind of testimonials that, that allow me to get clients and people attracted to me. And I don't have to put YouTube ads and Facebook ads and all that other bullshit out there. And that's how I, in my heart, I wanted to build this business is on attraction, not promotion. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it definitely resonates with a lot. It definitely resonates on a lot of different levels, especially with kind of my podcast, because I'm always trying to figure out how do you get it to more people? How do you get more people listening? And I think there's probably that level of like what you're saying. It's like, just, just, you know, I'm 
I'm hitting like an influx point. Like the TikTok's going up. Like you don't, I don't really need to promote. Like there's not really, and this was an interesting thing too, is it doesn't really seem like there's a way you can promote podcasts. Like it doesn't seem like there's an effective way to like, the only way, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> yeah, because I'd like to offer you a little something here. Sure, by all means. Your listeners as well. You asked a key question there. How can I reach more people? Mm. And you asked the how. Whenever I get into the how, it's logic. Right. It automatically. It cannot not be logic when I get into there, which means I'm only using the two, the, the, the maximum amount of power I have going into it is what's between these two ears. That's the maximum input I have into it. When I get into those situations, and I only know this from experience, but I've seen this in almost a thousand clients now over the last decade or so I've been coaching. When, when you look at that, instead of asking how, I start getting into what does that look like with that impact? When you ask me about the magazine covers and the things like that and stuff, I don't look at things like that. I look at the vision being, man, I am inspiring people. Even as I'm sleeping, people are getting inspired by my message. Like I'm speaking to people and they're sharing that with other people and it's growing and the ripple effect and and the free books and the free workshops and all the free stuff, like all the stuff I do hits millions of people's lives, you know, and I'll never know or count that or anything else and stuff like that. But, but I know that that's happening. And then I get so excited about that. All of a sudden somebody sends us something and says, man, we've been noticing you all over the place. We'd love to feature you in our magazine. We'd love to, you know, have you come and talk in India. We'd love to, mm. you know, would you ever be interested in having a TV show? And, and it's like these things start showing up. And if I had to put my how together for those things, Clayton, they wouldn't be near as impactful or awesome experiences is what shows up this way. Or easy. So if you stop asking how and start leaning into what's it feel like to have that impact, man, you're you're just opening yourself up to those miracles showing up. You're so right. You're so right. It's <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to add. <laughs> well, you leaned into that, I thought it was going to be like, you know, I got to disagree with you because of what I <laughs> the go. way I leaned in on that. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. Uh, that's funny. I think that's a beautiful way to wrap this up, honestly, Joey. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I mean, dude, this has been nothing short of awesome. I, I wish there was divine, benevolent, I don't know what a mystical, miraculous. It was everything. Um, yeah. I love leaving the the last segment to my guests. If you want to plug anything, I mean, been a wealth of knowledge already, so I don't know if there's any cherries you want to put on the top of this whole conversation or stuff you want to plug. I'm going to get your links. So guys, anything he references will be linked down below. But with that being said, Joey, the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm so appreciative and, and truly from my heart, like blessed and honored to get to be here with you today, to have this conversation, to get to share with your audience and stuff and share this message. And and if anybody's listening to this, if this, if this podcast hits you at all, if it, if it hits on something within you or, and motivates you or something, share it with other people. You know, help give them an opportunity because you're gifting all the way around that. You're gifting to Clayton and helping his impact to grow. You're helping me and my impact to grow. But you're also helping somebody who may not know about his podcast except through you. So help share that and stuff. And and I, I always like to feel like I'm leaving people better than when I came in. And so in doing that, anybody who wants is going to be a link in here called it's going to be download.ifgtcoach.com and the link will be there. And it's for a free, it's for a free book that I just recently published. You can get a copy for free through the link. It's it's align 
manifest and transform. And it's taking the tools and the things we talked about here. It's getting that mindset alignment, dealing with some of that subconscious conditioning and stuff and how to deal with that. And then how to manifest easier, how to start creating and seeing the things you most desire showing up in your life easier. And ultimately, I'll tell you, you know, whether I'm working with a business owner or an individual, everything I do is personal transformation. We cannot go out and get to that place where we want to be. We have to come from it with, within us. And to come from it, we have to transform to becoming that person in that vision. And there's tools on how to do that. So you can get a copy for free. Follow up with me. You know, you can follow me on social media and all that under Joey Drolshagen. And just, you know, God bless everybody. And I hope to meet some of you as we go forward. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, appreciate it. I appreciate like, yeah, offering all that free stuff. I mean, if this hasn't been a wealth of knowledge enough, I mean, <laughs> always adding the cherry on top of an ebook <laughs> or a book, it's always another beautiful. Well, audition. in the book, the book is practical guideline on how to start implementing a lot of the stuff we were talking about, Clayton, where we didn't really get to deep dive it. So it starts stepping into okay. that. So I might have to check it out myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I might have to poke you for a signed copy because I've gotten a couple books from guests, and I, I, I think I, so I, I, one of them signed, and then another person I bought on Amazon, but. I don't know. We can talk about that later. <laughs> we'll take care of that. We'll, 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 future stuff. We'll figure out the how later, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll just get the vision going. Yeah. My I just got to feel it out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Conscious Monkeys, thank you so much. If you're still listening to this, I mean, you're. I know you've honestly probably just stepped up your sales game. You're going to have money just flowing into you like crazy now. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, I love Joey's advice of spreading the word because – that's really what the goal of this is at the end of the day, reaching millions of people, however we can, however it's needed at whenever it's supposed to be. I mean, I'm truly blessed. Thank you, Joey, for being here. Um, thank you, Conscious Monkeys, for listening, because as we've all discussed with quantum physics, it, it doesn't work if we're all here together. So <laughs> um, yeah. with that being said, I appreciate all the time and Conscious Monkeys, I will see you all in the sixth dimension. 